hospital by the fire service. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The borough council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse. Lee Agnew has the details. The water-powered turbine was turned on in 2012, with the council saying it would break even in 15 years' time. But the figures show that in 2013 it generated far less power than predicted. At the same rate, it will take more than 24 years to pay for itself, and that's if it doesn't go wrong. The man whose fall from a bridge over the M1 in Hertfordshire, which led to the death of a good Samaritan who stopped to help, was suffering from depression, according to his family. 67-year-old Alan Tretherway from Watford fell from the parapet on Bucknell's Lane Bridge on the northbound carriageway between junctions 5 and 6 on Thursday morning. 71-year-old Spencer Bell stopped his car to help and was killed when he was struck by another vehicle. Luton North MP Kelvin Hopkins has written to Theresa May, the Home Secretary, urging her to introduce body-worn cameras for police officers. The so-called Leon's Law campaign started after the death of Leon Briggs in police custody in Luton last November. Mr Hopkins says he's hopeful of a positive response. I think going direct to the Home Secretary, asking the government to act now, shortcuts all of that. Yeah. Uh, and much, much more effective way of dealing with things. And, uh, you know, I like to think my, my, my letter was reasonable and will actually be welcomed by the police as well as anybody else. Tributes have been paid to Philip Seymour Hoffman, the acclaimed actor who's died at the age of 46. He was found dead in his flat in New York. Police say they believe he took an overdose of drugs. Philip Seymour Hoffman won a Best Actor Oscar for the biopic Capote in 2005 and starred in numerous other films. The weather, cloudy and breezy, but dry with some bright or sunny spells this afternoon and a high of 7 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. We are in the month of February. Who would have thought it? Do you remember Christmas? Do you remember Christmas? A dim and distant memory from the past. Ah, that's nice. It's a nice ring. Members of the team are showing their rings off. Lots coming up on the show today, as always. Keen to get your input. Incredible story of a 75-year-old Milton Keynes woman who could spend what's left of her life in jail after killing her terminally ill husband. She says it was an act of mercy. Well, next month the court will decide whether this has any bearing on the time she serves. We'll also bring you the latest on a 30-foot sinkhole that appeared on a driveway in Wickham, swallowing the car parked on top of it. Sinkholes, anybody? And remember the Archimedes screw? It was one of the dullest shows we'd ever done here. (laughs) It was quite early on in um, my residency at Three Counties Radio. Boy, was it dull. Well, it just got a little bit sexier. The hydroelectric turbine was installed on the River Ouse in Bedford with the promise it would generate thousands of pounds worth of energy. Well, it turns out it may take 24 years to break even. Archimedes, screw you! Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, just after half past six, 
I got, I don't normally, you know, you get free CDs. They used to be flexi discs, didn't they? You get free CDs with all these music magazines. I never, ever listen to the free. Why do I want to hear um, um, Badly Drawn Boy doing a cover version of a song from Revolver? Or why do I want to hear 25 of America's best new bands? I don't. I don't. But the, um, the, uh, the CD that came with, I think it was Uncut magazine. Was it Uncut or was it Mojo? It was Mojo magazine. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, what a great CD that was. The Small Faces and Friends. Oh, there's a fantastic track from that I shall play a little bit later on. The first, let's slow things down a little, shall we? With Abba. Abba, Abba. Three Counties Radio. Why don't you give me a call? I'm feeling lonely. 08459 455555. Really Lots to talk about. 
including the 30-foot sinkhole that appeared on a driveway in Wickham. Who are we sending down there, Catherine? Did we decide in the Tony end? Tony Fisher. Hey, that's what you want, isn't it? Not only is your life a misery because your car has fallen into a hole in, just outside your house, there's a chance your house might uh, implode. Tony Fisher turns up on your doorstep. Do you think they'll still be living in there? They would have moved out, wouldn't they? Well, I don't know. We'll find out later on this morning. Now, here's a story. An elderly woman from Milton Keynes has pleaded guilty to murdering her husband. He was terminally ill. She says it was an act of mercy. Luton Crown Court heard that 75-year-old Sheila Sanford killed her 89-year-old husband by strangulation. Well, Catherine Boyle uh, has more about this. What do we know about this couple? Well, John and Sheila Sanford had been married for 50 years and they lived in Spoonley Wood in Bancroft Park in Milton Keynes. John was 83 and terminally ill with leukaemia and when he was found dead at their house in July last year. At an earlier hearing, the court heard that the cause of death was strangulation. Police say that when Mrs Sanford was arrested in July, she told them that John's death was part of a suicide pact and she's been on remand at Peterborough Prison since then. Gosh, what, what's the feeling in her neighbourhood? Well, the Sanford are really well thought of in the area. Here's one of their neighbours, David Wood. Generally probably the nicest people you ever meet. Honestly, great people. I, I couldn't say anything bad about them, to be honest. Not a bad, bad bone in their body. Yeah, uh, he used to walk his dog. He's, he's been living there maybe 10, 15 years now. He used to walk his old dog uh, most of the time. Then he got diagnosed. We used to chip in with walking the new dog. Then obviously this sort of event happened. And, uh, yeah, he, he'd been bedridden for quite a while, so it was, you didn't really see him as much as you used to, but... Yeah. We definitely still saw her about, which is good, until obviously this happened. I think it's, it's clear to anyone that kind of what's happened and why it's happened. Like I said, they've lived here maybe 10, 15 years, and again, we can't say a bad word about them. They're a great, great couple, really. Well, it's a very complicated and sad story. Sheila Sanford has pleaded guilty, hasn't she? So what happens next? So the judge, Richard Foster, who was hearing the case at Luton Crown Court, said that although um, Sheila had entered the plea of guilty on the basis that the killing was an act of mercy, there would have to be a hearing, and that's going to happen next month, to determine whether that's in fact the case. Um, after Sheila had entered her guilty plea to the charge of murdering her husband, Neil Moore, for the prosecution, said there was a basis to the plea and told the court, and I quote, the issue that arises in this case is whether she believed the killing was an act of mer- uh, mercy. John Price who was QC for the defence said the only matter is whether he asked her to do what she then did to him. The judge said there'd have to be what's called a Newton hearing to determine the matter. And when is this going to take place? It's going to happen next month, 26th of February, in fact this month in a day-long hearing at which uh, Mrs Sampford, who's currently being held at Peterborough as we say, will give evidence and she'll then be sentenced. Normally a life sentence automatically follows for murder but by deciding if Mrs Sampford believed she was carrying out a mercy killing this will determine the time she spends behind bars. <sighs> Catherine, thank you very much. We'll see you in a little bit for the newspapers. It's a very sad story, isn't it? 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can also send me uh, a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. Or you can uh, go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Right, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm... I'm Fuffing, fuffing, is that a word? I'm fuffing slightly because I'm trying to find a song of uh, appropriate length and uh, appropriate uh, uh, sentiment. Oh, I tell you what, let's have this. You don't hear this very often, do you? As the snow flies On a cold and grey Chicago morning A poor little baby child is born in the ghetto In the ghetto And his mama cries 
Cause if there's one thing she don't need is another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto People don't you understand Your child needs a helping hand He'll grow to be an angry young man someday I Take a look at you and me Are we too blind to see? Do we simply turn our heads and look the other way? Well, the world turns And a hungry little boy with a running nose Plays in the street as a cold wind blows in the ghetto In the ghetto And his hunger burns So he starts to roam the streets at night And he learns how to steal and he learns how to fight in the ghetto Then one night in desperation The young man breaks away He buys a gun, steals a car Tries to run, but he don't get far And his mama cries As a crowd gathers round An angry young man face down In the street with a gun in his hand In the ghetto And as her young man On a cold and gray Chicago morning Another little baby child is born In the ghetto In the ghetto And his mama cries for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Starting in Watford, Lower High Street is closed between Sandham Way and Eastbury Road because it's flooded. And in Tiddington, Sandy Lane also closed because of problems with flooding. That's between the Oxford Road and Old London Road. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Where have you been? I was in Brussels. Oh, for goodness sakes. You did, we didn't get an email about that or a note asking for permission. I'm terribly sorry. Naughty, Alice. That's not how it works. Have you got any more holidays or time off planned? I have not. Good. I don't want you to ever take any time <laughs> off again, OK? Understood. Naughty, thank you. Deary me. She didn't run... Did she run that past you, Catherine? Did she run that past you? I'm afraid no, she didn't. Well, OK, well, listen, she's still really... Adam Glynn would have run it past us. Of course he would. He would have, he would have run it past it several he times. He still does. He... <laughs> Right, it's 6.16. It's uh, Monday the 3rd of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is to be sentenced for killing her terminally ill husband. It could take more than two decades for a water turbine in Bedford to break even. In football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 in the Championship. The weather today, breezy, mostly cloudy and dry. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio.
every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. Well, whose fault is it that there are so many fat people in this country? It's a horrible word. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. But why do you want to kind of tiptoe around the issue? People are people. People aren't fat just because they're big. Tackling your consumer problems. Over the last few months, I've been palmed off every few days. There are some absolute rogues out there yeah. in the car industry. Tim, I'm going to send uh, Wayne in yes, to you. Let's get some detail and we'll get okay, this sorted out. The JBS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Can we, can we stop arguing about... Um, the, Catherine's made some madeleines. They're a nice little cake. And uh, Tony's, Tony Fisher, who's joined me in the studio for a very, very important studio, uh, important story, you've, uh, you were getting a little bit angry there with Catherine. No, not angry. Just wondering if uh, Madeleine's had risen. No, no, I don't think my oven's hot enough. I'm trying to perfect the uh, recipe at the moment. You can turn the oven up, can't you? There's a dial on the front. There is a dial with some numbers, and they go up, increasing. And if you turn that... that Nodge it up a bit. uh, In theory, the oven get hotter. Yeah. The reactions, you know. Listen, I haven't tasted your buns, but I bet they're rubbish. Hey, Tony, Tony's well, lovely I'm, buns. I'm not, I'm not going to go into your buds, but I haven't tasted yours yet either. Well, get them down. <laughs> so, that's your, we'll well, have I'm a, out to. We'll have a little bit of Del Shannon, and while Del Shannon's playing, we'll taste uh, Catherine's buns. They're delicious. Look forward to it. Sorry? Uh, they're delicious. Just got rude. a mouthful. Can they rise yeah. in your mouth? Oh, for goodness sake. Good Finishing off Catherine's buns. Mm. What do you reckon, Tony? <clears throat> Not bad. All right, Mary Berry. Mary Berry, yes, eat your heart out. I'd rather eat Mary Berry's heart out than these cakes. That's oh. a, that's a oh. joke. Oh, that's I, would, I would not like to eat an old woman's heart. You know what? I love a bun in the morning. And actually, <laughs> I'd rather have a bun than not a bun. 
Oh, so better than now is, is the summary. It's uh, mm, just lovely. I think you better talk about screws. <laughs> Very much indeed. <laughs> now, listen, this is a serious story. This is the, the first for news, we used to say. June 2012, do you remember it? If you do, well done. Well, you, uh, you might also remember uh, Bedford's brave foray into hydroelectric power via the medium of a machine called, anyone remember, anyone? The Archimedes Screw. The turbine was installed on the River Ouse in a move that the... You're acting out. Thank you, Tony. In a move the Borough Council claimed would generate around £32,000 worth of energy every year. Although, admittedly, it was going to take 15 years to break even. Uh, yeah, well, we've sent our team of boffins to do some maths, and that's not quite right, is it? Our screw correspondent, Tony Fisher, joins me now. Morning, Tony. Morning. The, the, the Archimedes screw, what is it? Describe it. Well, it uh, goes back to Egyptian times, apparently. So it's, a, it's, a, it's literally a big screw that's used to uh, get water from a low level to a high level. So it would turn clockwise or anti-clockwise. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> it would turn anyway. And the water would come up the screw and then to another pot and then up, up, up. And that's the way of... But this way yes. is obviously in a, in a river. It works the other way. So the water is pushing the screw, right. turning the screw, brrr, lots of revolutions which then uh, generates power, electricity, da-da-da. And as we're saying, this costs half a million. Uh, apparently, it's generating £32,000 of electricity a year, which will take 15 years. But we're saying that's not quite right. We've got the figures here. We've got the figures from the last year, the Borough Council, supplied by the Borough Council on those figures. Yeah. Looks like this thing isn't going to break even for at least 24 years. Uh, I've been told the lifespan of one of these things is 30 years. Oh. So... Mm. There'll be about five or six years of it actually being in profit. And yeah. that's, of course, as well, if it, if it doesn't break down again. If it again. doesn't break down again. It broke down in uh, February. So if you look at the figures for February, uh, kilowatt hours, naught. Um, now, the other thing is, it, it, if you look at the figures, they fluctuate enormously. So I've been told that uh, June, July, uh, 4,800 kilowatt hours of power, that's enough to generate a single bar on an electric fire. Oh. Uh, yes, oh. And I've been told that this thing, in general, is basically equivalent of one wind turbine. Uh, you've, so, been, you've been speaking to experts about this, haven't yes, you? Yes, yes, yes. So I've been speaking to a retired physicist from Abbott Langley called Tony Manning, and he explains roughly how this, how this uh, Archimedes screw works. Does he make the same sound effects that you made? No, no, I'm trying to... Um, yeah, yeah. Jazz it up. Thank you. The Archimedes screw works exactly the same with water. It was originally used, it was certainly used by Egyptians to irrigate from the Nile into their fields. By turning the shaft, they were able to suck the water up. But it will equally work in reverse, where if you let the water flow down, it will rotate the shaft, and the rotating shaft can be produced to produce energy. But it's, con it's considered very green, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. On the positive side, it's very green. You know, lots of things could go through it. Fish can go through it, not a problem, won't damage fish. Great. You know, if there's any debris, da-da-da, it won't get damaged by debris, that'll just pass through. So it, it is very green. Um, critics say, well, it's in the wrong place. You know, don't put it there, put it in, some people say, Sharnbrook. The problem is that that isn't owned by the Borough Council, it's owned by the Environment Agency. The Environment Agency apparently didn't want it in Sharnbrook, so that's another story. Um, but... Um, it's Dependent on the weather as well, isn't it? Very much dependent on the weather. So, you know, it, they, Borough Council, say, well, it's been too much rain, it's been too wet. Hey? Sorry? Hey? Yeah, sorry? What? It's a hydroelectric uh, dam type thing. It's been too wet? Yep. So there's an optimum water level. It operates on two levels. So there's been too much rain. The lower water level rises too high and it doesn't function properly, apparently. So they can have too much rain. Yep. So. <sighs> 
But also, if there's a drought as well, that's going to cause problems. If there's a drought, complete, complete, no, no. So what uh, are they, they going to do? But uh, yeah, they're anyway, sticking by it, aren't they? They're sticking they're, by it. They're sticking by it. Yes, it's. Um, they're going to. They're going to press on with it. Obviously, it's built, and um, you know, it's. It's. You know, it's there. It's there to stay. Um, and uh, you know, well, as Tony Manning explains, this is the problem if there's a drought. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, I, sorry, I thought we'd you skip. lost that. I, no, oh, I thought we skipped that. I thought okay. we'd skip that bit. Sorry. Okay, we can skip it. Let's skip it. We can skip yes, it. Sir, we're sending you. Thank you for that, Tony. I appreciate it. it you understand? I, I do understand. It's quite complicated. It's quite complicated. We're sending the, you the, off. The, yes. On another big story this morning, aren't we? You are. Where are you going this morning? I'm going to a, a story about a hole. A big hole. Near High Wycombe, and a car has. Uh, you better go then. down the hole. Last week, I did car in a house. I was the car in a house correspondent. Yep. This week, I'm car in a hole correspondent. Basically, if you see, if you're in a car and you see Tony Fisher coming, drive like Billio to get out of the region. He's 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 dangerous. Thank you, Tony. Speak to you later.
BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Tony Fisher, for your report on the Archimedes Screw. Archimedes Screw you, more like. Look forward to hearing your report on the High Wycombe Hole. <laughs> right, 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Oh, hang on a second, I'm all over the shop. Let's have a bit more of this. Just like the and that's a bit of this. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Watford, Lower High Street is closed between Dalton Way and Eastbury Road because it's flooded. And on public transport, we've got some problems this morning. First Capital Connect have buses replacing trains between Stevenage and Welling Garden City. Also, some trains running via Hartford North there because of overrunning engineering works. It's also uh, causing possible delays on first hull trains and Grand Central. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Jane Killick. A 75-year-old woman from Milton Keynes is awaiting sentence for murdering her terminally ill husband in an apparent mercy killing. Luton Crown Court heard that Sheila Stamford's husband, John, who had leukaemia, died from strangulation. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The Borough Council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse. A large hole has swallowed up a parked car in front of a house in High Wycombe. The sinkhole is 30 feet deep and 15 feet in diameter. The weather, mostly cloudy and breezy with some bright or sunny spells this afternoon and a high of 7 Celsius. On to sport and in football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 at Vicarage Road in the Championship yesterday. It's the Hornets' first league win since Boxing Day and takes them up to 13th in the table. Hornets goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain. I think after the difficult week we've had, uh, it was uh, just what the doctor ordered really. Um, to get a clean sheet as well was, was all, all the more pleasing really. And um, you know, really, apart from the disallowed goal when obviously it could have been a few nerves fluttering, um, I think it was a pretty solid performance. In the Premier League, Arsenal went back to the top of the table with a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. Liverpool were held to a one-all draw away to West Bromwich Albion. Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth believes he's still the right man to keep the club in the Football League. The chair boys are now level on points with the side in the final relegation position in League Two after losing at Bury on Saturday. But Ainsworth remains defiant. Well, I wouldn't be stood here talking to you if I didn't feel I had enough to turn it around, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I know that there's enough in that dressing room to turn it around and, and I'm not surprised the fans are getting worried, you know. It's, uh, they've got every right to because we haven't been good enough. But I'm, uh, I'm in charge to put that right and I'll be doing that next week against Accrington. Tennis and Great Britain have booked their place in the Davis Cup quarter-finals for the first time in 28 years. Andy Murray secured the winning point against the USA in San Diego as he beat Sam Querrey in four sets to give Britain an unassailable 3-1 lead in the best-of-five tie. In Rugby's Championship, Bedford lost to Leeds 50-6 at Headingley yesterday. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at 7. Across beds, hearts and bucks. Yeah, we know all that. Uh, Catherine. Yeah. Last week, we just talked about this off air. Last week, uh, as uh, some listeners may remember, we did the uh, two little dicky birds sitting, sitting on, on a wall. wall. Um, and uh, we did it to Justin Dealey, mm-hmm. uh, a man in his mid to late 30s. 
early 40s, and it blew his tiny little mind, didn't it? His mind was blown he by it. it. It was as if he'd seen David Blaine in action. For those who don't know, it's, it's little kids in this room. You have two bits of paper, one on each finger, and you make one disappear, the other one disappear, then you make them come back. Yeah. Okay? And I thought he was doing a little bit of hilarious on-air bants. Until we turned the microphones off, he went, seriously, mate, how did you do that? And then all uh, uh, Friday, he's, how did you do that? Is it, do you stick it to your head? What did you go? Well, you told him you stick it to the back of your head and then re-stick it. I did. He said, <laughs> and he keeps saying, I want to do, do that down the pub. Don't do that down the pub, Justin. You will get a glass in your face. <laughs> but I did it for my, to my two-year-old. My two-year-old was having a bath last night. It was just me and him. And I thought, right, let's have some fun. So I did the two little dicky birds. And he was impressed. And yeah. he was amazed. Yeah. But not as impressed and amazed as Justin Dealey was. I don't think anyone has a sense of wonder when it comes to special powers and the unexplained. No. It's Justin. Bless him. You did it for your girls. Yes, I did. And my eldest, who's five, went, oh, that's a trick. Y- yeah. You're sticking it and unsticking it. She actually thought that, you know, the Justin Dealey theory of yeah. sticking it to the back of your head yeah. and then she thought it was that. But, I mean, at least she saw it was a trick and not magic. Is Justin doing anything today? Yeah, we're going to speak to him in uh, about 20 minutes. OK. Is he, he's, gonna, he's working for us today, is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I don't ex- think the radio car is, though. Oh. <laughs> Lee's on the M25. Morning, Lee. Morning. Well, what can I do for you? If I say something happy, you want, it's a Monday morning. You want something happy? Yeah. Like what? Like, remember my life, Sammy Davis Jr.? No! Yeah, come on. No! Why? Oh, go on then. Daddy started out in San Francisco, tooting on his trumpet loud and mean. Suddenly a voice said, go for it, Daddy. Spread the picture on a wider screen. And the voice said, Daddy, there's a million pigeons waiting to be hooked on new religions. Hit the road, Daddy, leave your common law wife. Spread the religion of the rhythm of life. And the rhythm of life is a powerful beat. Puts a tingle in your fingers and a tingle in your feet. Rhythm in your bedroom, rhythm in the street. Yes, the rhythm of life is a powerful beat. To feel the powerful beat To feel the tingle in your fingers To feel the tingle in your feet He spread the gospel in Milwaukee Took his walkie-talkie to Rocky Ridge Blew his way to Canton, then to Scranton Till he landed under the Manhattan Bridge Daddy was a new sensation Got himself a congregation Built up quite an operation down below With the fire piper blowing While the muscatel was flowing All the cats were go-go-going Down below Daddy Flip your wings and fly to daddy. Flip your wings and fly to daddy. Flip your wings and fly to daddy. Fly, fly, fly to daddy. Take a dive and swim to daddy. I take a dive and swim to daddy. I take a dive and swim to daddy. Swim, swim, swim to daddy. Hit the floor and crawl to daddy. Hit the floor and crawl to Oh, 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 oh,
get the idea. There we go. It's a happy song. For, we don't do requests, but a happy song. From a, hey, Kelly Betts, Kelly Betts, Kelly Betts. Guess who is doing a concert in Hammersmith on March the 13th? Chaz and Dave. No, that's April the 25th at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm going. Um, the singing nun. No, she's dead. Oh. Killed herself. Just after she wrote that hit. No, that was it. Was I think it was later in the 70s. I don't know the full story about the singing okay. nun. Someone will give us a call and let us know. Uh, the remaining monkeys. No. Am I close? No. Uh, Shall I give you a clue? Yes. Right. In, oh. in 1969, he recorded. Is he really? Sugarman is playing at the Hammersmith Odeon. No way. And he's playing on Thursday, the 13th of March, and that's the day that I fly out to New York City, America. So, oh. but he's playing in Bournemouth a few nights before. I might go to Bournemouth and see uh, Sugarman Rodriguez. Yes. Or me and Kath could go on your behalf. That would be awesome. That's all right, I'm busy. When is it? You'd like it. No, I wouldn't. Why would you not like I'd it? I'd like it. You'd like it. Me I've and got... Tony Fisher will go. Yeah. We've been wanting a date for ages. Hey, can I play? Listen, forget talking. Are you play... still going, by the way? Oh, no, he's milking it, isn't he? Can I play you? A... Can I play you a really good song? Uh, well, can you? Well, can I? This, I, I've not been able to stop playing this song all weekend when I got it with, with the free... It's the free it's disc. all aboard. It's not boom diddy boom is it? <laughs> it's not goodness gracious me. No. On the front of Mojo magazine, there's a free uh, CD, Small Faces and Friends. Okay? Nice. I thought I'd have a little listen to that. And there's a great song in it. There's a song by Amen Corner, which is now my youngest favourite song. Uh, Hello, Susie. We had to listen to it 20 times in the car. But, 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 there's this brilliant song. It's a song written by the Small Faces. They're playing it. Yeah. Sung by P.P. Arnold. It's one of the great lost soul songs of all time. Would you like to listen? Yes, please. Okay, let me just make sure I've got this set up. Here we go. Right. Can you introduce it like it's Radio 2? Okay. Um, I don't really listen to Radio 2. Are they up and and bubbly or are they down? You know, Ken Bruce. Okay. Well, uh, this is a great song here for... Uh, is he Scottish? <laughs> yes. Andy Murray. He is Scottish, though. Yeah, he is. OK, well, that's uh, round one of Popmaster. We'll come back to round two <laughs> after we've had a wee bit of Pippi Arnold and the Small Faces.
hate my music. Oh, I don't hate your music. Well, you're, you're a, a mum. Let's go to someone who oh, is God. not a mum yet. Kelly Betts. Uh, your your thoughts on P.P. Arnold and the small faces. Oh, she's talking to somebody. She's working. Um, my review will come via Chris in Farley Hill on Fader 1. Chris is in Farley Hill. Morning, Chris. Good morning. Uh, well, who's, who was the vocals on that That track? was P.P. Arnold. Was it? Backed um, up by the small faces. Oh, I see. Because Rod Stewart's original singer... Right. Well, they were called the faces, like, with uh, Steve Marriott. No, well, was they were the small faces with Steve Marriott. Oh, was it? Yeah, very well. And no. then, then they became the faces with Rod Stewart. Oh, did they? Yeah. Did you like it? I did, I did like Try that, yeah. Tell Catherine Boyle why it's such a good song. Cause no, she's been, I don't dislike it. She's been a right grumpy pants no, this no, morning. No, I'm trying to find some news in the papers, because I thought that was the point of this section. It's a bit solely, isn't it? It's a little bit solely, isn't it? Yeah, that one before that, I didn't like that was too early for that one. Yeah, yeah. Catherine's yeah. been a bit solely this morning. I, I got it the wrong way round then, oh. because... They, see, later on they just called them the faces, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they, 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 they uh, sacked off Steve Marriott and they oh, uh, and Rod Stewart came and took over. And then he, then he went on to better things. Well, Chris, I've got to cut you off just because we're, we're eating into Catherine's um, airtime. Okay, I'm, I'm backlisted anyway. There we go. He's what right. did he say? Backlisted. Blacklisted? Blacklisted. He's not. He's not blacklisted. Not from here, he's not. He's a welcome friend of the show. The clue's in your presence on it on the air. <laughs> yeah. Now, Catherine, there's, the reason I'm playing so many songs is because music is the food of life. Uh, uh, but there's not much in the news there either, really is there? There isn't. There's all kinds of um, filler. Like watching but, a romantic film with your partner can be as effective as marriage counselling for saving your relationship. No, no, it can't. No, it, no. What, you, we want to watch. We should watch Made in Manhattan, should we? That's going to make everything all right. It doesn't. Not even You've Got Mail can say that. No. Cosmetic surgery's in fashion again as the economy bounces back, according to latest figures, probably from a clinic. Amanda Holden's put some product in her hair. Yeah. I mean, um, that is the news. That's, that's on one of the, the front news. pages. There's a whole page on the Daily Express about how slicking back your hair. I mean, that's what my hair looks like when I've not washed it. Exactly. Manky. Turns out I look really young when it's like that. <laughs> Council told me to stop my war against menace of drugs at flat. This is an interesting one. A good neighbour's been ordered to take down a wall of shame that highlighted oh. drug-taking and antisocial behaviour in a block of flats. Oh. This is in Hull. Uh, she put up images showing discarded needles and abandoned drugs paraphernalia because the police wouldn't pay any attention to her uh, complaints. Yeah. And instead, she's being pursued for uh, putting up the signs. Hang on a second. So she, so instead of them pursuing the people who are doing all the naughty things and leaving yep. the debris, they're uh, having a go at her for pointing it out. Yep. For highlighting their inadequacies. Yep, this is it. Uh, Laura Carr, City Neighbourhoods and Housing Managers, said the Neighbourhood Nuisance Team Area Team Housing Service in Humberside Police have met with the Chair of the Residents Association to work together to tackle antisocial behaviour. Oh. And that's it. That's all there is in the papers. There's now. It's kind of it. There's... Gloria Huniford talking about a scandal of care costs help kept back by red tape. I drank turtle blood to survive the trauma of 60 months adrift at sea. That's not Gloria Huniford, that's, that's someone else. That's Catherine Boyle. That's yeah. the Catherine Boyle story. It's the title of her forthcoming autobiography. And the picture of the hole in High Wycombe. Where we've sent Tony Fisher. Mm-hmm. It's what? got a Volkswagen Lupo in it. It could make things worse if Tony Fisher goes down there. Wow. So the reason I was keeping it brief, because there ain't nothing in the news. A third of people aged oh. over 50 make love less than once a year, a study, study revealed yesterday. And only a fifth of this age group say they're satisfied with their sex lives. Morning, everyone. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with the speed sensors, things looking very slow on the A1M southbound. Uh, that's through the Stevenage junctions 8 to 7. And in Bricketwood, the north orbital looking heavy at the M25 junction 21A roundabout. 
In Watford, Lower High Street is closed between Dalton Way and Eastbury Road because it's flooded. And on public transport, there's no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 6.46, it's Monday the 3rd of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is to be sentenced for killing her terminally ill husband. It could take more than two decades for a water turbine in Bedford to break even. And in football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 in the Championship last night in the game of football. Uh, let's get the weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. There's more rain in the forecast, I'm afraid, for the rest of the week. It's still looking pretty unsettled, so no let up there. Um, but for today, it's actually looking dry. Now, I think we will see a nice bright start to the day, uh, but gradually clouding over. The wind is going to really pick up. It's a strong southerly to southeasterly today, and uh, it's going to feel quite windy. I think it could feel quite chilly in that wind at times as well, but um, at least it's going to help to break up the clouds somewhat. So some spells of brightness, some spells of sunshine too as we head into the afternoon and staying dry all day as well top temperatures today of up to seven or eight degrees celsius across the three counties which of course is 46 in fahrenheit now as we head into this evening's rush hour i think into western areas of buckinghamshire we'll start to get a few outbreaks of just light rain at first a few outbreaks here and there uh, gradually moving its way eastwards through the course of the evening we could just see the odd heavy burst at times but i think most of this rain is going to be fairly light and patchy and it will clear off through the course of the evening leaving behind it some colder air so quite a chilly start to the day tomorrow and you'll want to watch out for a few icy stretches perhaps particularly in the more sheltered spots as we head into tomorrow morning uh, lows tonight of around two or three degrees in the rural spots so quite chilly really and then tomorrow staying dry during the daylight hours the wind picking up though and uh, some strong winds and some really quite heavy rain on tuesday night into wednesday so uh, yeah looking quite unsettled for the rest of the week some blustery showers thereafter in that's cool. On Inside Out for the East of England, we investigate if rabies could return to our shores. If the disease managed to get into, I don't know, the wild fox population, it, the, the, you know, the consequences don't bear thinking about. As Scroby Sands Wind Farm reaches its 10th birthday, we look at the numbers. Is it cost-effective power? And the inspirational story of a pianist from Essex wowing audiences worldwide, despite having only one hand. Revealing the stories that matter, Inside Out for the East of England, with me, David Whiteley. Tonight, 7.30 on BBC One. It's Justin by the sea. Hang on a second. Let's open Justin's fader again. Mm, can I have some ice cream, please? <laughs> You're such a plum. <laughs> Where are you, Justin? Good morning, boss. I'm, I'm in Lucer. My, my Woody is now working again. Fantastic. Does it sound good? It, it sounds um, wonderful. You're lovely. lovely. Lo- Did you have a good weekend? Yes, it was very good, thank you. Yeah, you look a little bit... Um Tired today. Yeah, heavy weekend. Yeah, it was heavy. Yeah, hardcore. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, working Ca- with you, again. Catherine. Thank you, Catherine's got a, a little mish for you. Okay. Right. I want you to go out and ask people about uh, men in particular about what they'd have done. Okay. Men fueling surge in cosmetic surgery. More women than ever before. Hang on. Are having plastic surgery. Figures published today show, and men are fueling the surge in demand with requests to get rid of man boobs by up to a quarter last year. Plastic surgeons say they believe that an improving economy has given people the confidence to splash out on the expensive procedures. It looks like men are going for lipo, mm. man boob reduction. I think that's called a gynomasty. Okay. 
um, eyelid surgery and nose jobs. See, men are really getting into this, aren't they? Uh, who was that guy on Celebrity Big Brother about, what, three or four years ago, and he had surgery to have a six-pack? Uh, he was actually quite overweight, but he paid oh, thousands yeah. of pounds to have a six-pack. Do you remember that? It was who like was a stuck-on washboard, wasn't it? It was incredible to look at. Who was it? Was was like, it? Wow, what is that? Who was it? I've forgotten this. I think he was a journalist. He was a journalist, um, a showbiz journalist. I think he might have even been American. But so, yeah, literally, he paid thousands of pounds um, to oh, turn dear. his flab into a six-pack. Would you get anything incredible. done, Just? Um, not at the moment, no. Uh, maybe Maybe, uh, it's too, looking too good at the moment. You don't want to mess with that. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, some eye surgery in a few years' time. All in the eyes. No, never, never. Yeah. If you don't want to look permanently surprised, there's nothing more that gives it away. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Just go and find out what the men of Luton will do, please. Absolutely. Cheers, my dears. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. Yeah, some kids are leaving school and they can't read, they can't write. What's more of a crime is that some people are leaving school and they do not know who Helen Shapiro is. That, dear listener, is criminal. That is broken Britain. Now, there have been further developments in the story that we brought you on Friday about alleged packing out of membership of the Labour Party in Luton. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, can bring us the latest. Paul, just remind the people who may have missed Friday what this packing out is. 
Well, Ian, the allegations are uh, that some individuals in the party in Luton have recruited lots of people, family, friends to the party within a very short space of time with the intention, really, I suppose, of being able to pretty much choose to get through in those candidate selections. That's the allegation. Uh, the, uh, the suggestions are that it's happened in a number of wards uh, by some uh, uh, sort of over a long period of time, in some cases decades. And you know, the, the stats that I've seen from internal Labour Party documents suggest that in some places membership rocketed by 400% in some areas in a very short space of time. So that's the crux of what it is uh, alleged to have been done. On Friday, we spoke to uh, two Labour MPs, Gavin Shuk and Kelvin Hopkins, and Mr Hopkins in particular was, was well, they were both furious, but Kelvin uh, Hopkins said he was going to write to the General Secretary of the party. Yeah, both are, both are very concerned, not, not least because this potentially has an impact on their own candidacies, um, because indeed it's the same process which chooses the MPs or the selected you know, MPs who will go forward to fight the general election. Uh, uh, and, and Mr. Shuker made the allegation that it has happened, or you know, the, the, the result of his uh, selection, which was very narrow, uh, was, was uh, influenced and duly by this practice. That's the allegations he's been made. Now, I should say that uh, since we spoke to the uh, MPs on Friday, there has been uh, a rather sort of uh, sizable development insofar that the National Party has started an investigation into these claims. I understand that is at, quote, the highest level. We heard on Friday that uh, Calvin Hopkins was writing to the General Secretary about this, the General Secretary of the party, Ian McNichol, and we understand now that that begins today, an investigation very short notice has been called. It's going to last one week, I believe, uh, and, uh, and we'll, uh, hope, we'll uh, I'm told, deliver a verdict by Friday. That's and that's interesting, because when we spoke to, was it the, the, the East of England Labour Party, they they said they said there's there's nothing happening. They're happy with everything the way it is. Yeah, the party in that uh, region, uh, which covers Luton, said that the Labour Party is determined to ensure that every Labour candidate is selected in an open, transparent and fair way. They said in a statement they are satisfied that all our selections are being carried out properly and any suggestion otherwise are wrong. Well, we read that at about six o'clock on Friday morning, by six o'clock on Friday evening, we understand that the party had already uh, agreed to begin this investigation. So a very quick turnaround. And clearly it is, uh, you know, looking like some parts of the party believe there's a problem, whereas others don't think that there is. Others deny that this is happening. And so there's no proof for that. Uh, so it will be very interesting to see by the end of the week what will happen uh, and, and whether or not this will indeed, you know, be proven to be true. I was going to ask, what what can they do? Because it's not illegal, is it? No, it's not. And indeed, uh, what the uh, MP said is that this is, unfortunately for them, they say a, uh, a, a, a sort of a re- revealing how the party's rules aren't, they say, fit for purpose. Uh, it is entirely normal, uh, indeed, for people to recruit friends and family, but uh, what they're saying is this is happening on an industrial scale, uh, and actually there are people being signed up to to the party who don't share the values, who don't necessarily even realise they're being signed up to the party purely with the intention of being able to be used uh, in this way um, uh, you know, come selection time, and and I study, and as well, this actually uh, is also been alleged to have contributed to the, uh, the 
the, the deselection of a, another sitting councillor in Luton yesterday. So uh, indeed, this is a very much a live issue they feel. And sorry, Paul, we, we're expecting to get the the, the, re- the report out on Monday, on Friday of this week. Well, that's what I mean. The reports, the, 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 the investigation is due to last a week. So right. whether or not they report back on Friday or next week, I, I don't know. But I, I think the sense within the parties they want this dealt with very quickly uh, and these allegations cleared up before they go any further. Uh, I said the person selected yesterday was indeed uh, a lady called um, Tafine Sharif. She was a councillor in the Dallow Ward uh, and it was also the Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner, Ollie Martins, who is the Police and Crime Commissioner and Labour, obviously. Um, member um, is said to be livid about this and uh, and feels that there has been another allegation of, of membership packing there and uh, of course you know we, we will watch this keenly because I think this this, this investigation will, will be very revealing if, if indeed these allegations are proven to be true. Paul no doubt we'll speak to you later on in the week about this. Paul Scoynes our political reporter there. Thank you very much. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. This morning we're asking are you are you a man and would you ever consider having plastic surgery done? Would you want your fella to get it done? Is there something about him you'd like? It's a little bit droopy. It, you'd like it tightened up, made less droopy. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise looking slow now between Junction 21A for St Albans and 20 for Kings Langley. Also really struggling between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. The A1M southbound still very slow going through the Stevenage junctions, that's 8 and 7. But public transport's all looking good with no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right. So taking your calls on men having plastic surgery. And also we'll have the latest on the incredibly uh, complicated and sad story of an elderly woman who strangled her husband, saying it was a suicide pact. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, Melton Keynes woman faces sentencing for an apparent mercy killing. Labour Party steps in to investigate membership packing in Luton and 30-foot hole appears outside a house in Buckinghamshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. A 75-year-old woman from Milton Keynes is awaiting sentence for murdering her terminally ill husband in an apparent mercy killing. Luton Crown Court heard that Sheila Sanford's husband, John, who had leukaemia, died from strangulation. Their neighbour, David Wood, says they were a lovely, genuine couple. Generally probably the nicest people you could ever meet. He's been living there maybe 10, 15 years now. He used to walk his old dog uh, most of the time. Then he got diagnosed. We used to chip in with walking the new dog. Then obviously this sort of event happened. and uh, It had been bedridden for quite a while. The Labour Party is beginning an investigation into allegations some members in Luton wards manipulated the membership of the party. The investigation into so-called membership packing is being conducted at the highest level of the National Party. Here's our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. It's claimed some individuals filled the party's branches with friends and relatives, not always with their knowledge, who will vote for the preferred candidates in selection panels for local elections. Whilst the allegations were denied last week, we now know that National Party's General Secretary 
Secretary Ian McNichol has begun an investigation into the claims. Another sitting councillor lost her nomination in the Dallow Ward yesterday amid further claims of membership packing. The man whose fall from a bridge over the M1 in Hertfordshire led to the death of a good Samaritan who stopped to help was suffering from depression, according to his family. 67-year-old Alan Trewethway from Watford fell from the parapet on Bucknell's Lane Bridge on the northbound carriageway between junctions 5 and 6 on Thursday morning. 71-year-old Spencer Bell stopped his car to help and was killed when he was struck by another vehicle. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The Borough Council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse. Lee Agnew has the details. The water-powered turbine was turned on in 2012, with the council saying it would break even in 15 years' time. But the figures show that in 2013 it generated far less power than predicted. At the same rate, it will take more than 24 years to pay for itself, and that's if it doesn't go wrong. A massive hole has appeared in a driveway in front of a house in High Wycombe and swallowed up a car. The hole is 30 feet deep and 15 feet wide. The fire service cordoned off the area at Main Road in Walters Ash after they were called yesterday morning. It's been reported to the Wycombe District Council service. In football, Watford got their first championship win since December with a goal either side of half-time against Brighton yesterday at Vicarage Road. The 2-0 victory takes the Hornets up to 13th. The weather, cloudy and breezy, but dry with some bright or sunny spells this afternoon and a high of 7 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. Thank you, Jane. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Tick your diaries now. What? What? Lots to talk about uh, in this hour of the show, including the incredible story of a 75-year-old Milton Keynes woman who could spend what's left of her life in jail after killing her terminally ill husband. She says it was an act of mercy. Well, next month, the court will decide whether this has any bearing on the time she serves. in the news there about the uh, 30-foot sinkhole that appeared on a driveway near Wickham, swallowing the car that was parked on top of it. We've sent our hole-in-the-ground reporter, to, uh, Tony Fisher, over there to have a look. Let's hope he doesn't fall in there. Then. And fun times, guys. Yeah, the Archimedes screw. That's what we're talking about. What, who, what, where, when and indeed why. So it's supposed to take 15 years to repay for itself. It may be a lot longer than that. And if you're a bloke, would you ever consider having plastic surgery? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. This is an incredible story. An elderly woman from Milton Keynes could spend what's left of her life in prison after admitting murdering her terminally ill husband in what she says was an act of mercy. 75-year-old Sheila Sampford's 89-year-old husband, John, was found dead at their home in Spoonley Wood last July. He had leukaemia but was found to have died from strangulation. Well, Mrs Sampford told police she killed him as part of a suicide pact and a court will decide next month whether it believes her story or not. Well, Peter Nehrud is the former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police. Morning, Peter. Good morning. It's a very sad story, isn't it? Have you ever come across anything like this before? Yes, I have, and and I mean, these 
cases are, are quite rare. I mean, we have, what, around about four or 500 murders a year in the UK, and, and probably no more than two or three of, of these type of cases uh, per annum. So it's, they're, they're not that common, but they do happen. When uh, um, a police officer turns up at a situation like this, how do they? How can I phrase this question? It, it must strike them as as being different from your casual run of the mill murder. They, they, they must, you know, obviously see there is more to it than that. How does it affect the police officers? Um, I think it's. I mean, it's not that different in the sense of a life. A life has uh, has 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 gone, and mm. you've got to go through the process of investigation. But what is different? There's clearly a very different emotional content. Um, you've a very different emotional content. Not the least of which is two two people. Uh, towards the end of their lives, have have, uh, have come to this very sad resolution. So, yeah, it is different. Seventy-five-year-old uh, Mrs. Samford, could she escape jail if the, if the court does believe this was a mercy killing? Yeah, and that's the purpose of the next phase. As the uh, the report talks about a, what, what's called a Newton hearing, so the defence will put forward the full the, 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 their version of the circumstances and have that tested in a, as it were, a trial within a trial. If that Dem- were to demonstrate uh, that, uh, that, that 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 particular um, uh, version of events, that narrative stands, then it's quite it is quite likely that the judge would be would be able to use the provisions in the legislation to 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 to, to produce a very lenient sentence. Because life sentences are mandatory for murder, and she has she's com- confessed to murder, hasn't she? She has, and in those circumstances, if the conv- if if the, if she's and I think right, so she's pleaded guilty to murder as well. So the, the circumstances are you start from a life sentence, but then the issue comes as to as to what the tariff is, what's. Uh, and there, there are there's a very clear provisions within legislation to allow a judge to 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 use the mitigating factors of what's just, of what what's commonly called a mercy killing and and drop the sentence very significantly. So it, th- there is a chance she could serve a minimum of fifteen years, but that there are um, there is potential for that to be reduced. There's plenty of precedent in these circumstances for there to be a a, a very small or or, or indeed no custodial sentence in, in some circumstances. Peter, thanks very much. It's Peter Nehru, the uh, former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police. It's a, an interesting... Well, an interesting story. Kind of demeans the, the weight of the situation, doesn't it? But it's, it certainly is a fascinating uh, situation. Uh, I, and I guess part of this, the elderly carers, are they being left to cope with impossible situations? It, it would appear, we don't know the full facts of this story, that perhaps uh, Mrs Samford wasn't getting the support that she wanted, or maybe she didn't want any support. Um, and there is quite often, isn't there, uh, uh, particularly uh, elderly people, they feel it is their duty to, uh, to to carry on, even if they're struggling, even if it is really hard work. And it is hard work, of course it's hard work looking after someone who's poorly. 08459 455 555. Are elderly carers being left to cope with what really are impossible situations? Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Um, no. 
But, well, I, I, if you want to, I, it is sad news about it's, Philip, it's, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's all over the national news this morning it's, about Philip Seymour Hoffman. A lot of people may not think they're aware of his work, but he was a really well-respected actor. He was in... what? He was in Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. He was in Schenectady, New York, which I've just ordered on DVD, which is the most mental film. He was in the... Um, What's that film I'm doing? A, a flaming arrow. I've got a, I'm firing a flaming. The Hunger Games. Oh yes. He was in the Hunger Games, I think. He's in. He did lots of kind of the mainstream. I think he's in Mission Impossible Three, and then he did lots of very arty, farty films. He's an excellent actor, I and he died. It would surprise a lot of people that someone that successful can be an, a heroin, have a heroin problem. Yeah, massive. I didn't realise he had a heroin problem. Turns out it was massive. Turns out he's been in. He's been in rehab when he was, I think, twenty two. He's been clean for about twenty three years, and then apparently last year he kind of uh, he moved out of his family home and got back on the junk, uh, and that's uh, what's going. What another thing I found slightly distressing. He, he's, he was only six years older than me. I always thought he was in his 50s. Well, he, he looks a lot older than He me. looks a lot older. It's a very sad um, uh, loss. Some people will be thinking, hey, it's just some junkie. Well, it, it, it don't matter. But I think it's very sad. He's obviously tortured by his uh, by demons. Uh, and he always... I, the, the films that I've seen... Have you seen? There's a film called Happiness. He's in a film called Happiness. And he's not in it very much. I don't, I've not seen it for years. But when he's on the screen, whoom, he just steals everything. He's in Magnolia as well. Have you seen that? I don't think I have. Oh, Magnolia! It's the, it's the good Tom Cruise film. Oh, is it? Yeah, respect. The, if you've seen the film, you know the quote. Respect that. Respect that. He's talking about his oh, wow. winkle. Uh, it, it's uh, he is. Uh, we can give us a call about that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Let's have a look at the front pages of them newspapers, shall we? The Daily Telegraph. Flood chief. Should we protect the town or the country or the town, please? Can we protect the town, please? Because I live in a town. There's no bottom... Oh, hang on a minute. Can't we protect everybody in this country? We have to choose, do we? There is no bottomless purse of money, says Lord Smith, and difficult choices have to be made about where our funds are spent. Well, hang on a second. Surely our funds should be spent where there are people. Britain must decide whether to protect town or country from flooding because it can't afford to protect both. (laughs) That's brilliant, the chairman of the Environment Agency says today. In an article for the Daily Telegraph, Lord Smith of Finsbury says the country must make difficult choices about which areas it wants to defend because, quote, there is no bottomless purse, unquote. Lord Smith's comments follow a week in which the Environment Agency was criticised for its reaction to the floods in the Somerset levels. Here we go. Maybe we can send Justin out on this a bit later on as well, once he's done uh, plastic surgery for men. Country versus towns. Which, is the, which one do we keep? Which, which one do we keep? According to the Environment Agency, we, have to, we can't, we can't keep both. There's not a bottomless purse. We can't protect everybody in this country. So, towns or country, which one do we keep? Which one do we get rid of? I'm kind of with you where the people are. Yeah, towns, isn't it? I like the countryside, but if it's a toss-up between some fields or people's homes... But, it, it's, but it's not homes. just fields, is it? Because those, those fields are, f- are feeding your children. Yes. So, so that, what now? But they will have been flooded before. Uh, Kelly Betts has got something to say. I'm not sure that it's... That big hole from High Wycombe is on the news. Don't on tell... the actual telly news. Don't tell people to turn the telly on. It's got a picture and everything. Yeah, no. We've just lost all seven listeners. We all have pictures... They can't hear us. We'll have Tony Fisher painting pictures with words. They're back, and they've brought a friend. Eight. We've got eight. Oh eight four five nine. We'll get just to this a bit later on if you can. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We can't protect the town and the country, so which one do we keep, town or country? I like that. That's that's incredible. If that's what they're saying, the Guardian. Uh, number ten dragged into Ofsted Row. Uh, then there's Philip Seymour Hoffman. 
Ah, dearie me, the Times, uh, riding the wave, surfers and kayakers take full advantage of the Severn Bore yesterday as it surges past Newnham in Gloucestershire. So there's a big wave. D- divorce reforms to give prenups legal standing. Oh, here we go. Turns out there's loads in the papers. I just hadn't looked. I hadn't opened my eyes. Prenuptial agreements will be enshrined in law under plans to shake up Britain's divorce industry and reduce the number of damaging court battles between former partners. More than a quarter of a million couples a year will be given the chance to secure legally binding settlements before they take their vows, as the country's leading law reform watchdog rewrites the rules on how money and property should be shared after marital breakdown. Boom. Uh, the independent A-level course is closed as Gove cuts £100 million. And there's another picture of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, the Daily Mail, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And how food giants woo ministers. The food industry lobby has been given unprecedented access to the heart of government, a Daily Mail investigation has found. Fast food companies, supermarkets, restaurant chains and chocolate and fizzy drink firms have had dozens of meetings with ministers. McDonald's, Mars, Pepsi's, Nando's and Tesco, mm, I'm feeling hungry and thirsty now, are among firms invited to ministerial meetings since the 2010 election. Why? It, uh, Nando's, excellent restaurant, Pepsi, excellent drink. Why would you s- invite them to, to ministerial meetings? What, 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 you're hoping to get a free Nando's card or something? Is it because they've got a lot of money? I don't get the Nando's thing. Oh, mate, come on. It's just chicken. Even as a vegetarian, it's, 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 it's heaven. It's just chicken. Yeah, Footballers love it, though, don't they? Peri-peri, isn't it? Oh, right. Peri-peri, Kelly? Even their chips are nice. Aren't they? Just And you can go and get as, as many um, fizzy pop drinks as you like. You just keep filling up that glass. It's a magic glass. It is. You just keep filling it up. I'll tell you what we'll tell you what do, Kath. Kelly, Justin and I... I suspect Justin will like it. He looks the sort. We will take you out for a Nando's one day this week. Really? Yeah, our treat. Yeah? Yeah. Other chicken restaurants are available. But they are the best, aren't they? Oh. Not allowed to say that. The countryside or the towns? Who should we keep? Call me now. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London bound is slow at Junction 9 for Redbourne and the M25 anti-clockwise very slow going between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. The A1M southbound also really struggling through the Stevenage junctions 8 to 7. But in Watford, Lower High Street has been reopened after earlier flooding. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Boss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Sorry for uh, breathing heavily through that report. I didn't realise my uh, microphone was open and I was sighing at the woes of life. 7.15, it's Monday the 3rd of February, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is to be sentenced for killing her terminally ill husband. It could take more than two decades for a water turbine in Bedford to make back its costs. In football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 in the Championship. Yay! The weather, uh, breezy, mostly cloudy and dry. Coming up, your calls. If you're a bloke, would you ever have plastic surgery? And according to the Environment Agency, we can only save one. So which one is it? The country or the towns? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Tomorrow night, attention turns to the relegation fight at the Lamex. To be a League One club next year, we'll need nine or ten wins. Stevenage hosts mid-table Gillingham, knowing a win is a must. It's up to us to punch as many of the 60-odd points there are to win. Um, up to us to punch as many of them out as possible. Listen to the whole game live with Three Counties Sports. Oh, what a finish that was to a fantastic Stevenage move. Stevenage versus Gillingham. Tomorrow night from 7, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah dear, I wonder, uh, Tony Fisher is on his way to the High Wycombe Hole, as it's being called. Imagine how terrifying that would be, Catherine. Right, yes. You look, out, uh, look out of your, where's the car gone? Where's the lupo? I don't know. I said, well, you, I, I parked it on the drive. Hang on a minute. Where's the drive gone? There's a massive hole. Apparently it's still down there. Well, how oh. do you get a car out of there? Crane? I drove past something very bizarre on the M40 at the weekend. And I don't know if it was, I don't know what it was. It upset me. What? What was it? Well, I drove past and there were lots of um, people. Um, the, a few cars had pulled over. A couple of cars had uh, pulled over. And they were looking down a ditch. I thought, what's um, what are they doing down that ditch? And as I drove past slowly, there was a car down the ditch that had been smashed, had the hell smashed out oh of it. Goodness. And there was a man lying on top of the car, looking in. Now I know. Now I couldn't work out. There were no emergency vehicles, so I, I, I don't think it had just happened. I think I'm hoping they had gone back to collect the car. Right. A few days later, but um, it was it was quite upsetting. I tell you the most upsetting thing I saw in a car. This was awful, and to this day, I regret not doing something about it. It's one of those things I think, oh, I should have done something, but it, it just happened so quickly. Driving down, uh, when I used to live in North London, Spaniards Row, it's a very dark sort of country lane, but it's a very busy little cut-through road. Driving down, and traffic was just a nightmare. I thought, well, what's going on? But we were kind of moving, but it's very, very busy. And I drove past a car, okay, that had just stopped. It stopped by a zebra crossing. Right. Okay, and there was someone sat in the car, just not moving, but looking out. I thought, this is very weird. As I drove past, I thought, what? Oh, my God. And there was a woman lying on the bonnet of the car, sort of moving ever so slightly. Oh, my goodness. It was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. And I only saw it as I got past it. It clicked as to what it was. And then there was nowhere to pull off. It's a really narrow country lane. There's nowhere to stop. And I just thought, and there was no one there helping at all and it's what to, to my to this day it's my great regret that i didn't just stop, stop and get out and f- forget the traffic forget all of that i was just in such a shock to have seen something like that it takes you a few moments to sort of compute doesn't it yeah. what's happened it was horrible gosh i just and i, I pray that everyone involved was all right it, I, it must have just happened because the fact that they you know that they the guy was still in the car Oh, it's horrible. It's funny as well that, that time slows down when things like that happen. Yeah, yeah. I was walking through um, a shopping centre. This isn't to do with cars. Walking through a shopping centre in Peterborough once and um, I just clocked out the corner of my eye something moving near the escalator. There was a child hanging on the other side of the escalator. I don't know what they've been doing, messing around. Oh, God. But I just, I had a load of bags in my hand and I just found myself running towards this yeah. escalator. And I got hold of him and there was a, thankfully there was a, a, a bloke behind me as well. So between us, we pulled him, this kid over. Yeah. But it was only afterwards I thought, what would have happened if it was just me and if I'd yeah, let go? Yeah. Or all that stuff happens in an instant. Here's, here's a quantum I've often thought about. If a little kiddie comes up to you in a shop... Uh, you see a little kiddie in the shopping centre, mm-hmm. let's say he's four years old yeah, and he's crying. Yes. And he's really distraught. Yeah. What would you, get, what would you do? As a woman, I would 
be all right, but I think you've got a question in your mind. But, well, uh, would I get down and put my arm around him? Yeah, I, I, I would. I think I would. And then afterwards you think that probably looks bad, but you just go with your instinct, don't you? I think you do have to... I think you're right. I think you do have to go with your instinct. And my instinct would be to protect... As, as a dad, particularly. But even before I was a dad, is to protect that child. Put my... You're right, son. Put my arm around him. Right, where's your... You know, and have a chat. But yes, definitely, I would make physical contact. I stopped a runaway shopping trolley with a kid in it once. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd say, with a kid. The, threw... mom, the mum was looking at bags that we should put down, and yeah. the thing was rolling towards the car. <laughs> so I grabbed hold of it, and it was as I took it back. Yeah. I realised the child in the shopping trolley looked terrified <laughs> of me. <laughs> as if I was stealing it. Oh and I thought, goodness me, this looks bad. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, the mother didn't think it looked bad. She just thought, I, save my child. I think if it's a kitty crying, uh, I would I would deal with it in uh, it, it, how I thought appropriate and then deal with the potential consequences of that later on. I think I'll put the, the kitty first. So weird. It's weird that you have to think. I even have to think now. You know, sometimes you get kids waving at you on trains and things like that, and yeah. so you turn and you stick your tongue out and you pull a silly face. I even have to think about whether that's appropriate. No, you don't. I think most people know it is. Really? I think most. I people hope know so. It is. I hope so. Otherwise, I'll be in terrible trouble. And if they don't, it's their problem, not yours. Thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. John's in Luton. Morning, John. Good morning. Well, there's a dilemma, John. There is a dilemma in this country. We only have enough money to protect either the towns or the country. That's according to the Environment Agency. Who are we going to save? Well, I'd say both, but it's the same with every problem oh. in this country. We haven't got the money to do it, John. No, we've never got money for anything. It was the same when we had to spend a couple of million mending potholes. We never had the money. In the next five minutes, the government are giving five hundred million to Syria. If there was floods anywhere else in the world, the government would be sending hundreds of millions. But, John, you, you have to pick one, town or country. Well, I, I, I think at the moment, I think I'd have to say... That I feel so sorry for those people in Somerset and those places. But, but you live in a town, John. Who are you going to save, towns or countries? Yeah, well, fortunately, I live right up in Stopsy, so I'm all right up here, but... What are you going to save, John, a town or a country? Be, I suppose it would have to be the town, but I don't, don't agree with the government making the choice in the first place. There we go. He's going... He's saving the towns as opposed to the countryside. Which one are you going to save? 08459 455555. We've only got the money to save one. We can either save towns or the countryside. That's according to the Environment Agency. There's no bottomless purse of money, says Lord Smith, and difficult choices have to be made about where funds are spent. Britain must decide whether to protect town or country from flooding because it can't afford to protect both, the chairman of the Environment Agency says today. So, who are you going to save? Towns or the countryside? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, back in 2012, big story, big story. We told you about the Archimedes screw. Um, what it is, is a hydroelectric turbine installed on the River Ouse by Bedford Borough Council in a move they claimed would generate around £32,000 worth of energy every year, although they did admit it would take 15 years to break even. The thing is, the figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio and uh, worked on by our boffins at Lee suggest it will be more like 24 years, and that's assuming it doesn't break down again. Well, Michael Collis is a marine engineer from Sharnbrook in Bedfordshire. Morning, Michael. Good morning. Yeah, now you've, you've raised questions about this turbine. What, what, what are your concerns about it? Well, my concern really is uh, from the point of view of whether the thing is uh, cost-effective. Well, we were told it would take 15 years to make the money back. Looking at the figures, it's going to be possibly well over 20 years to make the money back. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The 
thing doesn't appear to be generating the amount of of energy that was uh, was forecast. And, and one wonders who did the forecasting and how it was checked and by is the it, Borough Council. Is it in the right place, Michael? No, I don't think it is in the right place. I, uh, there's a much better. There are much better places, I think, uh, on the ooze where there is a much greater fall of water. The amount of power you get depends uh, on how far the water drops, and it doesn't drop all that far in Bedford. So it's it's dependent on obviously the weather. It's dependent on if there's too much water, or if there's too little water, or if there's a drought. It's it's not particularly reliable, is it? Well, it's quite reliable if the if the water flow is continuous. Uh, there are occasions, I think, in Bedford when the level drops and you don't get any water flowing through it, or very little. There's nothing we can do down the Michael. Is there? They've spent the money. We might as well stick with it. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the decision's clearly been was made. Um, I'm not sure that it was a very sound decision. That's all. That was half a million quid. Somewhere. Whether that half a million quid has come out of the local taxpayer's m- m- uh, pocket or whether it's come out of the country taxpayer's pocket because most of the money comes from central government is something that I don't know because I don't know whether, for example, there are any special grants towards that half million. Oh, so we, we've worked out 20, 24 years it'll make its money back, but is it right it only has a life of 30 years? Uh, I gather that uh, the, the life is supposed to be something like that, oh. although uh, I think there are bits of it that could probably be replaced or repaired. Um, I'm not so bothered about that. This is infrastructure we're talking about, uh, but I just don't think that the forecasts have worked out. Michael, thank you very much indeed. Michael Collis, marine engineer from Sharnbrook. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I didn't do all the, all the newspapers, did I? I kind of got um, a little bit caught up uh, in that. We did the Daily Mail, Food Giants Woo Ministers. Uh, the Daily Express, um, Benefits Blitz on Scroungers. Benefits Blitz on Scroungers. Benefits Blitz on Scroungers. That's the voice I imagine the Daily, uh, Daily Express talks in. Benefits Blitz on Scroungers. Call for crackdown as system branded unfit for purpose. Benefit Blitz on Scroungers. Britain's generous benefits system. Britain's generous benefits system. First sentence. Britain's generous benefits system is unfit for purpose and must be scrapped, the government was told last night. Research reveals that most Britons think the £208 billion a year welfare state is broken. Yeah, but most Britons don't know anything about it. Let's be honest, most Britons are silly. Most Britons don't know anything about the welfare system and what it's there for and how it works and how it's funded and who it supports. So just because most Britons think it's, it's broken, it doesn't mean a thing. It must be replaced with tough measures to end the something-for-nothing life enjoyed by many. Many? Many? According to a substantial majority of those taking part in the poll. So again, it's the public. OK. And a key change will be a crackdown on migrants, with newcomers made to wait a year before they can claim any handouts. Campaigners and MPs welcome the research conducted by Channel 5 
head of a live TV de- de- debate tonight on the explosive issue. Just to point out, Channel 5 is owned by Richard Desmond. Daily Express is owned by anybody, anybody, Richard Desmond, just so you know. Tory MP Philip Davies said the findings prove that Britain is fed up with being ripped off and that a complete revamp is needed to make work pay. 08459 555555 and the front page of The Sun, it's um, Kelly Brook in her pants. Right, it's 7.29, let's get the uh, travel news. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25 anti-clockwise, things are slow between Junction 21A for St Albans and 20 for Kings Langley. Also really struggling between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Uh, Looking on speed sensors, the M1 London bound, slow going between 11 for Dunstable and 10 for Luton. And also on the speed sensors, A1M southbound, really looking slow between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. Uh, Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey up, Chuck! Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. A 75-year-old woman from Milton Keynes is awaiting sentence for murdering her terminally ill husband in an apparent mercy killing. Luton Crown Court heard that Sheila Sanford's husband, John, who had leukaemia, died from strangulation. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The Borough Council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse. A large hole has swallowed up a car parked in front of a house in High Wycombe. The sinkhole is 30 feet deep and 15 feet in diameter. The weather, mostly cloudy and breezy, with some bright or sunny spells this afternoon and a high of 7 Celsius. On to sport and in football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 at Vicarage Road in the Championship yesterday. It's the Hornets' first league win since Boxing Day and takes them up to 13th in the table. Hornets goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain. I think after the difficult week we've had, uh, it was uh, just what the doctor ordered really. Um, to get a clean sheet as well was, was all, all the more pleasing really. And um, you know, really, apart from the disallowed goal when obviously could have been a few nerves fluttering, um, I think it was a pretty solid performance. In the Premier League, Arsenal went back to the top of the table with a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. Liverpool were held to a one-all draw away to West Bromwich Albion. Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth believes he's still the right man to keep the club in the Football League. The chairboys are now level on points with the side in the final relegation position in League Two after losing at Bury on Saturday. But Ainsworth remains defiant. Well, I wouldn't be stood here talking to you if I didn't feel I had enough to turn it around, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I know that there's enough in that dressing room to turn it around and, and I'm not surprised the fans are getting worried, you know. It's, uh, they've got every right to because we haven't been good enough. But I'm, uh, I'm in charge to put that right and I'll be doing that next week against Accrington. In tennis, Great Britain are into the Davis Cup quarter-finals for the first time since 1986. The Wimbledon champion Andy Murray beat Sam Querrey to secure the winning point against the USA in San Diego. Britain's reward is another away tie, this time against Italy, who are likely to choose clay for the clash in early April. And in rugby's championship, Bedford lost to Leeds 50-6 at Headingley yesterday. BBC Three Counters News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at 8. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Remember uh, Tina Beloveth Powerful? 
She ran the Harvard Business School in Milton Keynes. She was being sued by Harvard. Little update coming in about 10, uh, 15 minutes or so. Before that, I'm reading more and more of this story in the Daily Telegraph. If you live in the countryside, man alive, I think your country is about to turn its back on you. I think. Flood chief, should we protect town or country? So Britain decide, must decide whether to protect the town or country from flooding because it can't afford both, says Lord Smith of Finsbury, chairman of the Environment Agency. His comments will stoke fears that the government is considering which parts of England it can surrender to the rising floodwaters. Most people would agree that this is the right approach, says Lord Smith. But this involves the tricky issues of policy and priority. Town or country, front rooms or farmland... Flood defences, we'll read one more bit and then we'll take some calls. 08459 555. Intrigued by this. Flood defences cost money. And how much should the taxpayer be prepared to spend on different places, communities and livelihoods in Somerset, Lincolnshire, Yorkshire or East Anglia? There's no bottomless purse of money. We need to make difficult but, susen- but sensible choices about where and what we try to protect. Hang on a second. It sounds like they're about to abandon parts of the countryside. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 08459 455 555. Catherine, they're abandoning parts of the countryside. Is it the medieval times when we've got to sacrifice a virgin to a dragon? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm not quite sure. It, it, I can understand if you if you're doing it purely in a financial thing, do you protect the towns where there are millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people, or do you protect a village where there are forty people? Why is it separated between town and country? Surely it's just where there's most need. Well let's let's put it to the listener. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's the great fight. The town versus the countryside. Dennis, what are we gonna save? Good morning. We ought to save both, but but I have been flooded, so I know what it's like. And that was right in the middle of the you know, in Dunstable here. So I do know what it's like, but how distressing it is. The, 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 the flooding they've got uh, in the southwest at the moment... Uh, excuse me, dear listener, I'm going to use uh, indoor language. There are faeces and tampons running through the streets. Yeah, I can understand. Disease and bacteria is rife. Yeah, but this is a failure on the part of the government for in the, down there because they've let the flood defences go down. That, pla- that place was cleared by engineers from Holland years ago by putting extra drains in, making sure the, uh, the rivers were properly dredged. And it's only because they've stopped doing that, because they're trying to make nice places for little birds. Now, I love birds. I love all sorts of animals. But nevertheless, they've got to learn to live with us, for God's sake. You know, this is this is this is government getting out of things by uh, making a cock up of it and then not doing anything about. Are you cutting the cheese? No, I'm not. You're not was, squeaking. You're not squeaking one out. No, no. What I was doing was uh, getting a measure out to measure something. Dennis, stay there. Mary, what do you Hello? think we should save, the town or the country? Well, that sounds sound like a political soundbite, doesn't it? Um, our farmland. If we have no farmland, what do the townies eat? It's, I was on television... I'm sorry, this is very echoey. On television yesterday was a farmer with farmer with the water coming up to his barns with the cows are wintered. Yeah. When the flood water goes down, as you say, there's all this horrible pollution and everything else in it. His winter wheat... 
the land he was going to put his summer crops in is useless for months. Yeah. This affects everybody. We, import, we can import the food from Europe. We, we import no. most of our food anyway. We import meat yes, from New Zealand. We import, import corn from France. We import uh, oh, yes. all, all kinds of things. We can survive oh, without yes. those. No, no. I, I, I think the government is perhaps... I don't know what the government are up to, but it's, it's a huge problem because... Which one would you save, Mary? You've got to make a choice. The towns or the countryside? A bit of both. You can't have a bit of both. Uh, you cannot sit on that country Don't style. Don't sit on that country style yeah, please. with feet just dangling in the water. Well then, Mary, you're flooded. Thank you. Please remember to close the gates after you. The country code. Oh eight four five nine four double five five. A couple of really interesting things. Well, we've got lots to talk about this morning. Actually, I think we've wasted Catherine a week's worth of. We've got um, the town and country debate. We've also got the thing on Facebook about would you hug a crying child? And we're talking about should men have plastic surgery? Yeah. We've, 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 um... Well, I'm thinking we do this today and then we can slope off early tomorrow and the day after. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We are talking about plastic surgery. Uh, Justin Dealey. Justin, you're a vain man, aren't you? Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah. A bit like you. Well, no. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. Hey, calm down. <laughs> would you get plastic surgery done? Uh, not at this moment in time, no. But certainly uh, in the future, I would probably give it consideration because, you know, we all want to look younger, don't we? And I think that's yep. why more and more people are having cosmetic surgery for men uh, in the year 2013. Uh, cosmetic procedures up by 16%. So clearly lots of men thinking, I want to look younger. You gave me a task earlier on. You said go and speak to men and find out would they want any form of cosmetic surgery and if so, what would they have? I've done that for you. It's prompted some uh, pretty angry responses. Here's what happened. Jason, we're talking about cosmetic surgery for men this morning. Would you consider having any cosmetic surgery? (laughs) No. Tell me why. Because it's ridiculous. Why would anyone want to do that to themselves? To make themselves look better. No, they don't. No one looks better after plastic surgery. What a ridiculous notion. Getting quite angry about this. Yeah, I know. It's a stupid subject. I don't like it. No. If your best friend came to you and he said, Jason, let's go for a lager. And he said, I want to get my eyes done. What would you say? I'd say you're an idiot. And clearly you've been drinking before we came out. What if he said my chest is slightly flabby? I'm putting that um, in a friendly way. I want to get my chest dealt with. What would you say then? I'd say, well, you better down the treadmill then. What if he said to you... My nose is too big. I want to get that changed. I said, don't be ridiculous. My nose is too big, but I'd still keep mine this way. What if he said to you, I want to get better cheekbones? I think I'd leave. At that point, you'd leave? Yeah. So you take four questions, then you go? Yeah, pretty much. You just think any man listening to this right now who's considering any form of treatment is an idiot? Yeah, pretty much. Not putting words into your mouth, am I? No, not at all. Thanks, Jess. No problem. Dino. Good weekend, Dino. Yeah, I've been working all of it. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Dino, Ian wants to know this morning, if you could have cosmetic surgery, what would it be and why? What would you go for? I don't think there's anything I'd like done, really. I'm perfectly where I am. (laughs) Have you got a mirror? (laughs) Yeah, I do look at it in the morning, yeah, when I wake up. Yeah. I don't want to get that changed. (laughs) I don't think so, no. I guess this the whole ageing process, you're supposed to age at some stage, so yeah, might as well just let nature take its course. Here we have another Jason. Jason, there is a surge in men having plastic surgery. Would you ever consider having anything done? Um, no, not really. I'm happy with the way I am. What's your thoughts on men that, that are getting all these operations? Uh, I think it's all fake. Same with the ladies, it's not real. I like a bit of natural. Need to be real. That's the one. 
Morning, sir. For me and Lee's show, would you ever consider having cosmetic surgery? Uh, no, yet. I mean, I'm just 30. Um, maybe after 50 years when I get wrinkles on my forehead. Yeah. So, okay, so you go for the wrinkles on your forehead. Anything else? Uh, no, not really, no. Are you too vain? Um, just for the looks, really. Because I've, I've seen in my family uh, wrinkles on forehead, and they've gone for the for Botox. Botox, yes, yeah, yeah. Botox. And that has hurt them, yeah. Really? Yeah. So by having that, it's what increased their confidence? Yes. Yes. Uh, so it, a mix. Some people are getting very angry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some people just say... Stupid, stupid topic. Wrong. Yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that man, of course, he would oh. take four questions down the pub, then he would go. But, but it's clearly very, very popular. I mean, the figures for men last year having plastic surgery, the most common being nose jobs, uh, 1,037 cases, up 9% there. Eyelid surgery, 887 operations, up 17%. And breast reduction for men as well, up 24%, 796 operations. What the so, problem is, Justin, is people are not prepared to put, put in the work. They want the shortcuts. They do, and I think, you know, speaking to people this morning, they would say, you know, if somebody has got a flabby chest, again, I'm putting that in a, in a friendly way for your programme, the kids listening this morning, um, yeah. you know, go to the gym, um, go on a treadmill. A lot of people saying, it's nice just to be who I am. That is who I am. If I've got a big nose, that is just the way I am. Why should I be paying thousands of pounds to look like everybody else? Where would you start, Justin? I mean, I've got a few suggestions of... Yeah. Where, where, where do you think you would start personally? Um, I think eyes. I think yeah. eyes are, are really, That's really definitely important. definitely up in the top five, yeah. yeah. M- maybe, maybe nose, I don't know. Yeah, go for that. Um, forehead yes. with wrinkles as yes. well. Um, and then I'll probably leave it there. Pin the ears back a bit. Um, possibly, Get yeah. that chin sorted out. Yeah. Those yeah. teeth. Yeah. What? Yeah, the teeth. The buttocks. They can do your buttocks now, can't they? <laughs> can do. They can uh, put, put implants in there. Mm, but I say, I'll be fascinated to hear from men who have done this, because a lot of men that I've spoken to this morning wouldn't do it but there will be people out there that have had things done i'm sure that that i spoke to men this morning that have had things done but they just won't admit it it's something they keep to themselves and they would never tell anybody okay oh eight four five nine four double five 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 we've got something else for you just yeah we've had lots to talk about this morning we were debating whether to send you out on the town versus uh, the countryside yeah but but i think this might be um, this might get a bit more response from you uh, if you're in a supermarket or you're in a shopping centre or something and you see a little kiddie let's say it's a four year old little boy mm-hmm. and he stood there and he is crying he's distraught and he's on his own and people are just walking past him what would you do just do you know what? Years ago, I probably would have spoken to that child. Now, I would probably just walk on. That sounds absolutely horrendous, but I think nowadays you've got to be very, very careful what you do. Even if you're being nice, some people would take that the wrong way. I think that's probably the problem with this country. By me having that attitude, it makes it even worse, but I think now I would simply walk on. But hang on a minute, Just. You're a nice bloke, right? Mm. You are a nice, dependable, slightly vain, <laughs> narcissistic bloke, right? Thank you. If my boy was crying in the supermarket, mm. I would be disappointed if someone like you had walked past, if a good mm. guy had walked past and ignored him. Well, if you want a compliment, I would say you've got the right attitude because you're a normal person. There, there are so many people out there that would say, what are you doing putting your hands on my child? How dare you touch my child? Who do you think you are? Ian, right. I've seen it myself, and for me personally, I don't need that hassle. Uh, as horrible as that may sound, I will probably just walk on by. Alright, listen, this is what I want to ask, you can ask people this morning. You see a little kiddie crying in the supermarket or in a shopping centre or in a high street on their own. What would they do? Would they walk 
walk up specifically, would they walk up and give that kid a hug? I think I'd, I don't think I'd hug the child, as I mentioned, but I certainly No, you're walking past. You're I'll, letting the poor little I'll, bleeder I'll pro- cry. In a supermarket, I'll probably go yeah, to jog the manager. On, I'll go jog to on, son. Jog on, son. I'll go to the manager and explain the situation, but I just think, you know, the moment these days... You Would you not even take the kiddie by the hand and go up to the customer services or go up to a checkout or something? I would like to think that I would do something, but again, okay. as I mentioned to you earlier on, Ian, I think that there are so many people nowadays that, that would look at you in a different way, and if the parents found out, somebody may shout at you. To be quite honest with you, these days, a lot of things are just not worth the hassle because we're living in a bizarre world. Justin, could you ask a mixture of men and women, please, mm. uh, uh, what they would do? Would, would, they, uh, would they hug the kid or would they worry about how it looked? Absolutely. Cheers, Justin. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Fascinating stuff. Well, Justin will walk on, walk on by. It's interesting, isn't it? Maybe it's because he's not a dad. I don't think I would have done that as a dad, uh, uh, before I was a dad. Maybe it's because he's not a dad. And it's slightly different for me as a dad because I know how you can touch kids. You know, I know, I know what is an appropriate hug with kids and things like that. And I, I know how to comfort children. I also would hope that people would not walk past my children crying yeah. in the street and not care. It's like because Justin's one of the good guys. But I would be so happy if, if someone like Justin, well, if someone like Justin came up with my little boy and said, is this your kid? I just found him crying. And I'd be disappointed if he walked past. It's interesting he said that. If good people don't act, it kind of leaves them to the weirdos, doesn't it? All it takes is for one good man to sit there, play an Xbox, for the bad guys to win. Something like that, isn't it? Something. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound, very slow from the Denham roundabout to the M25. And on the M25 itself, anti-clockwise is queuing between Junction 21A for St Albans and 16 for the M40. On the speed sensors, the A1M southbound much slower than usual today, uh, really struggling between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 7.46, Monday the 3rd of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is to be sentenced for killing her terminally ill husband. It could take more than two decades for a uh, water turbine in Bedford to break even. In football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 in the Championship. 08459 455 555. Coming up, a little update on Tina Beloveth Powerful. Who's she? Well, you'll find out after the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Today is going to stay dry, not so tonight. We've got those some outbreaks of light patchy rain that will head in from the west. But today dry, there'll be variable amounts of cloud around at times, some spells of brightness, some sunshine and a fairly blustery southerly to southeasterly wind, just taking the edge off the temperatures at times too. Highs today of up to 7 or 8 degrees, that's 46 in Fahrenheit across the three counties. So the rain spreading into western areas of Buckinghamshire first. It'll reach uh, eastern areas of Hertfordshire, I think, by the end of tonight's rush and then gradually push its way out eastwards. Uh, just mostly light patchy rain, perhaps the odd heavier burst at times, staying quite windy throughout. And then as we head into the early hours of tomorrow morning, it's going to feel quite chilly. Temperatures locally down to two or three degrees Celsius. The wind falling out, perhaps a touch of frost, even some icy patches into tomorrow morning. So a chilly start to the day tomorrow. A few showers around at times, otherwise mostly dry. Some spells of sunshine, but it's going to turn very wet and very windy on Tuesday night into Wednesday. That's the forecast. 
If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation... Get this roofing company round, see if they can fix the problem and I'll pay the bill. He said, yeah, I did say that. The JVS Show fights for your rights. This conversation went round and round and round. And tackles your consumer problems. So, Roy, the question is, has he paid the bill? Yes, and he was standing there and he hands me an envelope. So I just opened the envelope and I looked inside of it. There's a cheque for £120 and that's it. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Are you happy? Yes, I'm quite happy. I will give him my fanfare, my horn and any other problems, Roy, you know where I am. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We're asking, uh, uh, you see a child uh, upset in the supermarket, in the high street, in the shopping centre, what do you do? Do you go and give them a hug? I would. Go and give them a hug. You're right. Let's go and try and find your mummy, shall we? I'll take them by the hand. If I had to carry them, I'd carry them. If they were so distraught that they couldn't move, I would carry them if I had to. You're, you're, even you're frowning at that. I wouldn't want to be seen carrying off a screaming no, child that wasn't mine. I've had that, I, do you know what? I, and I felt bad when my boy had a tantrum once. Yeah. Like a, a massive tantrum. And I'm carrying him down the street. I'm holding him against my body. And he's kicking and screaming, saying, let me go. Kicking me really hard. And I had to walk past people. And I felt awful doing yeah. that, actually. I wouldn't do it if they were having a bit of a tantrum. If they were, in, if they were in tears, just in tears, if they were throwing a proper tantrum, I wouldn't do yeah. that. If they were so distraught that they'd gone a bit... Yeah. Because that can happen too. Yeah. But, oh, it's a dodgy one, isn't it's, it? It's a tough one. What would you do? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3. April says, hug them, but then I'm a mum and will most likely have my little boy with me. I'll get other adults to join in, though. Plenty of witnesses and all that. Darren says, what you should do is report the lost child to customer services and a call-out will be made for a lost child. I might work at a supermarket. I might. Carol says, instinct would uh, ask them... Instinct would ask them, have you lost mummy in earshot of other customers? And then ask her, let's go and find her and take her to the supervisor to put out a message. By which time one normally sees frantic mum coming round the corner and they're reunited. Wouldn't hug, would just put my hand out and talk to them. Uh, uh, Mary, Mary says, Marie says, uh, as an Italian, I find there is something wrong in this country as far as relationships with children are concerned. What the hell is wrong with giving a child a hug? I would hug the child trying to calm him or her down. Benjamin says, to be honest, I'm a kind and helpful man, so it will be in my nature to help a lost child, but there would be a small doubt in my mind that I don't want the parents of the child or anybody thinking I'm a paedophile. Well, I know I'm not a paedophile, so I'd be, I'd be quite confident with that, because I know I'm all right. What have you done to your hair, Kelly? Hmm? What have you done to your hair? Oh, I just took my headphones off and it went a bit messy. Nice one. Now, do you remember this lady? Before I read the next thing from Navrita... Yes. Do you want to come out and tell the truth? Which truth? That, that she isn't a governor. She is. I have documents okay. that says that we have had okay. a lot to do in common. So I am here to authenticate that with a lot of written evidences. So we, that it's not just somebody when things are going all right so for somebody and another person wants to wriggle out and say, hey, I'm no longer part of okay. it. I'm no longer because Harvard America is now suing Tina, you know, or seeing Harvard United Kingdom, you know, the, everyone is now wriggling out and saying, hey, I'm no longer part and parcel of it. But I have authentic written evidences, not just one with, from Navrita at all. And she what? came to my house too. Yeah, we're, we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, so that it's not just you put me on the 
on you know in the air to say hey you get false to you know uh, yeah. this that you what, get false that written, you get false what? that there's no false information because I what? have written evidences to show what? that at the point that we went to Mark Lancaster our MP that Navita came to my house Tina. I have written evidences Tina, stop shouting calm down I'm not shouting you are shouting a little bit okay what written I'm evidence try, I'm just making my point no, clear you, you don't need to make it so loudly yes what written evidence have you got from Navrita that Rit- she was a governor of the Agape Love Stop Not a question of she is a governor like you know when we, one or two people come together to say yes we are interested in this you know that doesn't what mean do you're you, governor what do you call the person she is you know you don't call her a governor a, you call her an interested party she's an interested so call it any way but the letter the, the letter way. from Mark Lancaster said mm-hmm. that she was a governor which letter because you told we spoke to Navrita yes she says she's never had any connection with any of your organisation. That's brilliant. But she will now, when she has even her own signature. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. It was a full 26, 27 minutes, I think, uh, the interview. That was Tina Beloved Powerful, the owner of the Havard Business School in Milton Keynes, speaking to me last year. Well, the school is at the centre of a trademark infringement court case with the American University, Harvard. But an investigation by this programme found the courses she offered didn't have the right accreditation and Mrs Beloved Powerful was being investigated by Milton Keynes Trading Standards and Thames Valley Police. Well, I know lots of you have been fascinated by this story. Our Milton Keynes reporter, Craig Lewis, has news of uh, what will. Things are happening, Craig. What's the latest? Well, this is the latest twist in the Harvard versus Harvard saga. And and that's actually where this whole thing started, Harvard versus Harvard, way before that uh, that rather amazing interview we just heard a little bit of there. And it was back in September when it merged uh, Harvard, the US uh, giant, the giant university, where luminaries such as Barack Obama and T.S. Eliot studied, was suing small Milton Keynes business school Harvard for copyright infringement. And have it owner, Tina Beloved Powerful, we heard her there. She was very upset. She said she'd named her school after her grandfather, Havard. So, logical explanation yes. from Tina there, one of her few logical explanations. Uh, she even put in a £2 million counterclaim against the American University, and her story gained some national traction as a real David versus Goliath issue. Well, in the last week, the Havard School has been rebranded as Everest Business School. So it's gone from Havard... To Everest, that would imply to me that Harvard has won its case then. Well, I'm afraid it's a little bit unclear at the moment, Ian. Um, I've spoken at length to Tina Beloved Powerful, who, who sadly didn't want to come on our programme at the moment oh. at, at this stage. Okay. Uh, she's waiting for some other court issues to be, uh, to be completed. She says she's settled her case out of court with Harvard, that's her claim at least, and that the rebranding as Everest is her part of that deal. Um, now, I've repeatedly put in calls and sent emails to Harvard to clarify this, but unfortunately they haven't come back to me as yet. They're still waiting for an update on, on, on that side of things. Um, interestingly, I did get a reply from home improvements company Everest, because mm. there was some fear she may be getting herself into another copyright issue there, but um, they said uh, they don't consider the new name to be a trademark infringement. Okay, well, we're still waiting to hear back from the mountain to find out whether that's uh, concerned. This story moved rapidly away from the High Court case, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did. Um, while we were reporting about the case with Harvard. We found a number of issues with the Harvard website. Mm. The uh, MK school was offering courses it didn't have the correct accreditation to run. It was operating out of a single room in Christ the Cornerstone Church in central Milton Keynes, which Tina Beloved Powerful rather bizarrely called a campus. 
and it had claimed backing, as we heard in that clip at the start, from uh, Chief Executive of MK Race Equality Council, Nath Rita Atwell, and that was backing she'd never, ever given to that score, and in fact mm. she was one of the complainants to trading standards, um, Milton Keynes trading standards, and Thames Valley Police were both investigating Havard and Mrs Beloved Powerful. Uh, and unfortunately at the moment my, my sort of investigations have, have reached a bit of a blank on, on that front as well. Um, Mrs Beloved Powerful denied all the allegations, um, and, and we've seen this rebranding as uh, Everest. All the references to the course she, she wasn't allowed to run have been removed, and there's no mention of that campus at Christ the Cornerstone Church. So the, the investigations against her, what's going on with those? Yeah, well, as I said, not very much, it would seem. Mm. I, I've spoken in the last week to Thames Valley Police. They told me they're no longer running an active investigation into Havard or Mrs Beloved Powerful, but I was told the case has been passed on to Action Fraud, ah. and the, that's the UK's fraud and internet crime Famously report. Slow action fraud, aren't they? They uh, like to drag their heels from time to time. Well, that seems to be a general thing with this case, actually, and it's it certainly the wheels of justice turning pretty slowly at Milton Keynes Council. Um, trading standards told me the investigation's still ongoing. They couldn't add any further detail because the lady looking after the case is on holiday. Oh, OK, yeah. Uh, and when I asked why it's taking so long, they, they weren't even able to make any further comment on that. So it seems you only have one person working on a case at a time at Trading Standards, and that's why it takes three bumps and longer. And Tina didn't want to come in. Tina didn't want to I come in. I thought we in. got on well. You seemed to get on really well, and there was even a little bit of making up and a bit of yep. spreading the love at the oh, end yeah, of that no, interview. I, I, I thought, I, I've, often, I've, I've said this, when Justin Dealey next go on, goes on holiday, we should get Tina Beloved Powerful to come in and uh, to be the Roman Porter. Craig, excellent stuff. Thank you very much for that update. I know that will have pleased uh, a, a lot of listeners. Some texts here. In regards to helping people, Jamie says, just remember, no good deed goes unpunished. Hugs and kisses. Uh, uh, Anne says, cancel HS2 and spend the money on protecting the country, uh, coast and town. Oh, this is, uh, do we save the, the countryside or do we save the town? Because we've got to choose one. We've got to pick one, guys. We can't have them both. This is coming from the government. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from the government. We have to pick one or t'other. Which one is it going to be? There's no question uh, to the answer, country or town. It's country every time. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Our lovely green fields and forests. It must be curbed. This is a good case to curb immigration. Let me just read that again, Catherine, because I think I missed something there. There is no question to the answer, country or town. It's country every time. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Our lovely green fields and forests. It must be curbed. This is a good case to curb immigration. Oh. Very concerned listener in Hatfield. Uh, am I being really stupid here? I can't make the connection between immigration and having to decide between the countryside and the town. I know a lot of the immigrants are the ones who are working in the countryside. But they also, a lot of them live in the town. Yeah. Uh... Concerned listener in Hatfield, g- give me a call. 08459 455 555. I don't quite follow the logic there. Final text, Helen and Milton Keynes, who we spoke to last week. We got to hear Helen's voice for the first time. Get the money to save both town and country by sacking 60% of the House of Commons and the Lords. As previous caller said, if it's overseas money, always seems to be available, but the farmers that grow crops and produce the meat to feed us are abandoned by the state that taxes them. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
On the M25 anti-clockwise, there are queues between Junction 21A for St Albans and 16 for the M40. The A1M southbound slower than usual today between Junction 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. In St Albans, Catherine Street looking very slow around St Peter's Street. And on public transport, the Piccadilly line has service suspended between Acton Town and Rainers Lane. Also minor delays between Acton Town and Heath Row, but there is a good service on the rest of the line. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. So lots to talk about. Which are you going to save? The town or the countryside? We have to make that choice. And also, there's a kiddie crying in a supermarket. Do you go up and hug them, take their hand, or do you worry that people might think you're a little bit odd? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. eight o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines. Milton Keynes woman will be sentenced over an apparent mercy killing. Labour Party steps in to investigate membership packing in Luton and 30-foot hole appears outside a house in Buckinghamshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. A 75-year-old woman from Milton Keynes is awaiting sentence for murdering her terminally ill husband in an apparent mercy killing. Luton Crown Court heard that Sheila Samford's husband, John, who had leukaemia, died from strangulation. The former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police Police, Peter Neroid says the judge might not send her to jail despite the mandatory life sentence for murder. So the circumstances are you start from a life sentence but then the issue comes as to what the tariff is. There's a very clear provisions within legislation to allow a judge to use the mitigating factors of what's commonly called a mercy killing and, and drop the sentence very significantly. The Labour Party is beginning an investigation into allegations some members in Luton wards manipulated the membership of the party. The investigation into so-called membership packing is being conducted at the highest level of the National Party. Here's our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. It's claimed some individuals filled the party's branches with friends and relatives, not always with their knowledge, who will vote for the preferred candidates in selection panels for local elections. Whilst the allegations were denied last week, we now know that National Party's General Secretary Ian McNichol has begun an investigation into the claims. Another sitting councillor lost her nomination in the Dallow Ward yesterday amid further claims of membership packing. The man whose fall from a bridge over the M1 in Hertfordshire led to the death of a good Samaritan who stopped to help was suffering from depression, according to his family. 67-year-old Alan Trethaway from Watford fell from the parapet on Bucknell's Lane Bridge on the northbound carriageway between junctions 5 and 6 on Thursday morning. 71-year-old Spencer Bell stopped his car to help and was killed when he was struck by another vehicle. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The Borough Council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse. Marine engineer from Sharnbrook, Michael Collis, says there's better places along the river which would have produced more power. Well, it's quite reliable if the, if the water flow is continuous. Uh, there are occasions, I think, in Bedford when the level drops and you don't get any water flowing through it, or very little. A massive hole has appeared in a driveway in front of a house in High Wycombe and swallowed up a car. The sinkhole is 30 feet deep and 15 feet wide. 
The fire service cordoned off the area at Main Road in Waters Ash after they were called yesterday morning. It's been reported to Wickham District Council Building Control. And in football, Watford got their first championship win since December with a goal either side of half-time against Brighton yesterday at Vicarage Road. The 2-0 victory takes the Hornets up to 13th. The weather, cloudy and breezy, but dry, with some bright or sunny spells this afternoon and a high of 7 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. Cracking debate here at BBC Three Counties Row. I mean, cracking debate. I'll get to it in a second. We are having a cracking debate, and we're going to share it with you, dear listener, in just a few seconds' time. You don't want to miss this. Coming up in the last hour of the show, lots to talk about, including incredibly sad story. A 75-year-old Milton Keynes woman could spend what's left of her life in jail after killing her terminally ill husband. There's a massive hole in Milton Keynes. It's 30 foot deep. It's swallowed a car. It's on someone's drive. Tony Fisher's on his way there. We'll find out exactly what's going on. And the town or the countryside? Who are you going to save? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Fascinating debate here. And this is one of the... I've worked in commercial radio where, let's be honest, everybody who works in commercial radio... And I'm speaking to you, heart... Everybody is, uh, is an idiot, with, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm speaking to you, Hart, and you, Absolute, and you, LBC. You're all idiots. The BBC, though, is a real different class of person. Real, real, uh... um, I used to work for commercial radio. But you, you, you don't anymore? No. So you're not an idiot anymore? I don't think I've changed that much. Well, OK, you're the exception. Kelly uh, Betts has typed up on the screen um, what the next caller wants to talk about. Steve. Steve from Milton Keynes. Steve, you prompted this debate, so keep listening, OK? Sure. Excellent. Steve wants to say, cannot believe anyone would just... Talk about the kids. If you see a kiddie crying in the supermarket, what would you do? Justin Dealey said he'd walk past. Cannot believe anyone would just walk past. And Kelly wrote past, P-A-S-S-E-D. Yeah. That's wrong. Explain. Well, it should be past... P-A-S-T. P-A-S-T. Correct. But isn't that in the past? Like As well, the future. Yes. Words can have more than one meaning. Yep. So, P-A-S-S-E-D. Yeah. I passed you outside McDonald's. It's a verb. What? I walked words? past you while you were stood outside Nando's. Yeah. That's P-A-S-T, is it? Yeah. And if, say, you passed me the bowl of apples... P-A-S-S-E-D. Okay. But I walked past the bowl of apples mm. that you were holding yeah. whilst you were stood outside Nando's. It's two threes and a six. Sorry? Whoa. Much of a muchness. <laughs> Steve from Milton Keynes. What would you do, Steve? There's a little kiddie crying in the street. What are you going to do? Uh, hi, Ian. I was actually faced with this situation about two years ago in Stony Stratford on the High Street. OK. Um, so I was walking up uh, there was a tiny little girl, must have been about three years old, uh, red curls, pink coat, just crying her eyes out, and on either side of her, people were just walking past, ignoring her. Um, and to be honest, the thing that was really going through my head at that point was I grew up in the generation that remembers the James Borges story. So I knelt down beside the little girl, asked her what was the matter, and she told me that her mummy, uh, she couldn't find her mummy. So I gave her a hug, picked her up at shoulder height, stood there in the street and said, OK, darling, what does your mummy look like? 
And so she described her, and uh, we stood there for a moment or two, and then started walking back to where she said she'd come from, and then I ran into her frantic mum that she'd just gone into the bank, and her little daughter had uh, wandered away from her. So I reunited the little girl with her mummy, and uh, she was very grateful. And the mum was OK when she saw us... St- How old are you, Steve? Um, I'm in my uh, early 40s. OK, all right. Same age as you. OK, right, OK. So, so yeah, so we're of a certain age. And the mum was OK with a bloke in his 40s holding her little girl. Because you yeah, went for the pick-up. You went for the pick-up, which is... is I did. I, well, I, I, the whole point was trying to find a mum. So if I held her up at six foot, it was much easier when yep. she was on the ground. And did you have any... Did any part of you think... Someone might think I look suspicious? Um, I registered that, but to be honest, I'd much sooner have people accuse me of being a pervert and a child molester than ignore that girl and find mm. something terrible happen to her. I think you're right. I think you're right, Steve. You know you're not a uh, pervert. I know I'm not a pervert. I don't care what anyone else thinks, as long as that child exactly. gets stops crying and gets to find its mum or its dad. Precisely. That's the only issue. So why people worry so much about their precious reputation when a child's safety is at risk? It's just galling. Steve, I appreciate your call. Thank you. Steve went for the pickup. You'd have problems with the pickup, wouldn't you, Catherine? Uh, I'd probably do it and then afterwards think maybe I shouldn't have done yeah. that. It's, it's about the level of contact, isn't it? It's different for a woman as well. Yeah, it and really I would have is children different. with me normally. Yeah. And even if I didn't, I don't think I'm as under suspicion as a man. Ever, ever so slightly different for me as well because I still sometimes get recognised. Yeah. Like, ever so slightly. It doesn't happen very often. But uh, I, I could kind of... Hey, Google me. No, but... Is there, that from when you were on Crime Watch? That's correct. Thank you very much, Kelly Betts. But, th- but that sometimes works in my favour in those kind of instances. I think knowing my husband, he would probably go for the pickup too. He yeah. would just do rather yeah. than thinking about it. Good for him. OK, 08459 is the phone number. Justin Dealey's out and about talking about that. If you see him, uh, why don't you pick Justin up and give him a hug? He needs one. He needs one. He's looking tired this morning. Now, an elderly woman from Milton Keynes has pleaded guilty to murdering her husband in what she says was an act of mercy. 89-year-old John Samford was found dead at his home in Spoonley Wood last July. He had leukaemia but was found to have died from strangulation. His 75-year-old wife, Sheila, told police she'd killed him as part of a suicide pact. Well, next month, the court will decide whether it believes her story and whether the motive changes the length of prison sentence she can expect. Andrew Ferguson is the director of Care Not Killing, which is against assisted suicide. Morning, Andrew. Good morning, Ian. The, the court hasn't determined that this was, in fact, a mercy killing, but she told police her husband's death was the result of a suicide pact. And we, we talked about assisted suicide last week, wanting to end the pain of a loved one, the suffering, the anguish, the humiliation... Is there anything really wrong with that? (laughs) Well, let's come back to this case for a moment, if we may. What we've got here is a tragic domestic homicide. Um, Sheila has pleaded guilty to murder. uh, And it's interesting, I think, that she's been on remand ever since uh, this came to light last July. And she remains uh, in prison uh, while the uh, delay happens before this next stage of the hearing. So she's pleaded guilty to a charge of murder. And in law, whatever may have motivated her isn't directly relevant to the charge. The point at issue here is is about what's called mitigation. And the judge has ordered another hearing, which I understand is to be later this month, 26th of February, uh, in which he will explore with her, through her lawyers, the, uh, the basis for which she's saying that. The big problem, of course, is that we've got no way of knowing what the truth is. And this is one of the huge arguments against. Mm 
against changing the law on assisted suicide and euthanasia. We've got no way of knowing what uh, uh, what the situation was, precisely because uh, the victim, her husband, is dead, uh, and that's a, a huge issue. Um, life imprisonment sentences, there's a mandatory life imprisonment sentence for, uh, for murder. But in fact, uh, a lot of people don't realise this, but there's a huge range of jail terms available to judges who have to follow a, a, a set tariff, as it's called. Um, the serious somebody who kills a policeman, the killers of Lee Rigby are getting sentences in the 20 to 30 year range. But in fact, for crimes where the judge might conclude that it genuinely was a, a misguided attempt at mercy, then uh, the sentences can be much shorter. Uh, and there's a question of whereabouts, what sort of prison would uh, Sheila Sanford serve her sentence in? So there's a whole lot of legal background to all this. Um, we argue that nobody ever needs to kill a loved one to kill their symptoms. We can do better. Um, and I think that uh, Sheila Sanford has to have a significant custodial sentence, however kind of face uh, the, law, the law is able to show to her. So if, if we assume that her story is correct, that, that this, this gentleman she's been married to for, I think, 50 years, something mm. like that, if she was doing it purely to end his suffering at his behest... Uh, if that were true, she should still go to prison, what, 10, 15 years? It's not for me to suggest how long it'd be. I would have thought it would be significantly less than 10 years with uh, parole possibilities and so on. Um, the story that it was part of a suicide pact doesn't really square with her strangling him, because how can he strangle her when uh, when he's dead? So I think there are a lot of things we don't know about. Well, I, 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 in fairness, Andrew, I'm sure that, that yes, that, that they would have worked that bit out, and I'm sure if it yeah. were a suicide pact, and uh, we, again, we, neither of us yeah. know the full details, she would have had another way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, what, but what is what is wrong, Andrew, with with wanting to end the suffering of, of a loved one? If a loved one wants to go, what what is the problem with that? The law is there to protect the lives of innocent citizens, and uh, it wasn't able to do so in the case of her husband. There is no way in Britain we've got the best palliative care in the world. Yes, leukemia is 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 a. Uh, an unfortunate, unhappy illness. Yes, it probably would have led to his death from natural causes. It doesn't normally give a huge amount of symptoms. There may be all sorts of psychological reasons she was under pressure, she thought she was doing the right thing. That's for the judge to decide and take into account in mitigation at the next hearing. Um, But we have to protect lives of people with law, and if we're going to change law to uh, allow legalised euthanasia or assisted suicide, then that's a matter for Parliament. Palliative care is, is, is fantastic, but it, 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 it's not perfect. It can, uh, people in the later stages of various diseases can still be in a lot of pain. They can uh, be nauseous, throwing up because of the, the, uh, the, the pain relief they're on. They can be out of it. They can be in humiliating, degrading uh, circumstances. Ian, we can certainly deal with the pain and the nausea and those sorts of things. Not always, you can't. I I agree with you about people's sense of dignity and feeling humiliated. I can understand that people want to get out. The vast majority don't, in fact. It's uh, it's very, very unusual. Most people approaching the end of natural life want to carry on. But those that do want to end it, why should we deny them that right? It's because to allow them that 
right which we would dispute anyway to allow them that right in law we would put the lives of far greater numbers of vulnerable people at risk people would start to see death as the solution there would be all sorts of pressures real ones imagined ones the cost of my care i'm a burden to the health service i'm a burden to my people family feel that already. i might as well give up if andrew if i listen if i'm dying from cancer and i'm in a lot of pain and i have to have my kids lift me up and put me on the toilet and wipe my backside and it's humiliating and it's degrading Surely, surely I have the option as to whether I end it or not. Well, the law has ceased to... Uh, who cares about the law when I'm in a lot of pain and I'm humiliated? Well, you can't say who cares about the law, You, you can, not, Andrew. You no. can if you're in a lot of pain and your life is, is, is in your opinion, worthless, meaningless. You, you, you can try to kill yourself. You can succeed in killing yourself and there's no legal penalty for that. If somebody else helps you, that's, that's a whole right, different matter, In. Uh, one final thing, we mentioned this, we talked about this last week. It's a fascinating discussion. I appreciate you coming on, Andrew. My dad died of cancer last year. It was oh, awful. Sorry, awful. No, no, it's fine. Thank you. It was awful. If at any point he'd have looked at me and said, Ian, can you get that pillow? And um, I would have done it. I would have done it. I would have done it because I loved him. And I did not want, if he did not want to suffer like that, I'd have done it. I think the first thing is that your heart would have kicked in and you'd have wanted to do it. And then I hope your head would have kicked in as well, Ian, and you'd have remembered what the law was about. And that's why we need law as a, as a penalty in reserve, as sending a signal to society that however well-motivated we may feel, we can't go around killing other people. Andrew, thanks for your time this morning. Okay, Fascinating. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. Andrew Ferguson, Director of Care Not Killing. I strongly disagree with him, but I uh, in, uh, like the fourth row. At least he stayed to the end of the phone conversation. Unlike the woman last week, the Christian woman who hung up. Remember that? Thank you, Andrew. 08459 455 555 816. Let's get the travel news with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting by looking on the speed sensors. In Hartford, things are looking very slow. The A414 westbound really struggling from the A10 through the centre of town. And the A5 southbound also heavy going between Dunstable and Mark Yate. The M1 London bound slow going between 11 for Dunstable Road and 9 for Redbourne. On public transport, the Piccadilly line has service suspended between Acton Town and Rainers Lane. Minor delays also there between Acton Town and Heathrow. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 8.17 exactly. It's uh, Monday the 3rd of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is to be sentenced for killing her terminally ill husband. It could take more than two decades for a water turbine in Bedford to make back its costs. In football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 in the Championship. The weather today, breezy, mostly cl- cloudy and dry, blah, 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 blah. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni. We'll talk about your partner's annoying habits this after a woman filed for divorce after just one week. I, I know I, I snore and I snore badly, but I can't help it. Roberto Peroni. It's Friday. Why am I even bothering to go to work today? You've got to. You never know when a dome board suddenly appears in front of you and you've got to dive in. You need a lot of love, a bit of patience to keep a relationship going. Sometimes you have to turn a blind eye. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon Smith. Here we are. Looking refreshed. Good morning. Healthy. You. Thank you. Alive. Oh. You're alive. I am. Last nice time I looked very nice. Good. Thank you. Yes, you. It was fine. Working, but good working. Oh, yes. Enjoyable working. Good. I took myself to the uh, pictures as well. Did you? To see a movie on my own. 
I watched a terrible movie last night. It's one of those movies where you, you kind of watch it and you think, what a waste of two hours of my life. Yeah. It was called Duplicity, and it had Julia Roberts in. Oh, yes. And that English bloke. Hugh Grant. No... Clive, that's it. Clive, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Oh, my mother-in-law's favourite. Yes. So it had those two in. I thought this is going to be good. Yeah. So I watched it. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. What a load of old rubbish. Do you find it hard to bail out of a film, though? If you've invested 45 minutes an hour, you yes. think, I might as well stay till the end. I just hadn't got a clue what was going on. Yeah. It was mm. just so frustrating. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, that was a bit of a waste. But apart from that, the weekend was gorgeous. What film did you go to see? Well, it was only because I was staying in Birmingham and there was a cinema opposite me. The only film that was on at a time I could do was um, starring America's worst actor, Mark Wahlberg. You were oh, right, yes, He's a yes. terrible actor. Mm-hmm. The film was called Lone Survivor, which kind of gave away the ending. It's was, it was based on a true story about some troops in Afghanistan going on a mission, four of them, and uh, guess what? Only Mark Wahlberg survives. Uh, and it was exciting... Uh, in, in, you know, in the sense of people jumping off mountains and firing guns. It was moving because at the end they showed the pictures of the real people that had died, but um, it left me feeling a little empty. Oh. Left me feeling a little empty. In many ways, we've just added a new feature to your show. <laughs> the film review. The film review. We'll do it every Monday. God, it sounds yeah. awesome. No, I wouldn't bother. I don't watch films very often. Oh. Normally I fall asleep. Tomorrow, should we do Album of the Week? <laughs> Uh, what's on your show this morning? Well, coming up on this morning's big phone in at nine. Have you heard about these speed cameras that are designed to catch drivers doing any more than 70 miles oh, per hour? No. They're to be installed all over our motorways for the first time. The so-called stealth cameras, which are often grey rather than bright yellow, oh. they'll be placed on some stretches of the M1 and the M25. A recent poll in a motoring magazine showed that nearly 95% of drivers admit to breaking the 70 mile per hour speed limit yes naughty but would it be a good or or bad idea to introduce a zero tolerance approach to the 70 mile an hour limit these cameras they're not the same as the gantry cameras Mm. that we have at the moment yes that some people might have noticed are set higher than 70 miles an hour these are cameras that will enforce the 70 limit if you are doing any more than 70 it's going to catch you oh dear it will flash it will go off yes but is it a good idea from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Would you welcome 70 mile per hour speed cameras on the motorway? 08459 455 555. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five is the telephone number. Uh, some of your uh, Facebook comments. You see a kiddie in the, in the streets, in the supermarket, in a shopping centre. They're in tears. What do you do? Do you give them a hug? Do you hold their hand? Or do you worry about how it would look? Uh, we've already spoken to a couple of people, Justin Dealey being one of them, who would walk on by. Jenny says, I would crouch down and talk to them, but not touch them unless they came to me first. Myra Hindley was a woman. And I'm not sure it makes you any less open to misinterpretation of your attention, unless perhaps you have small children of your own with you. I would then ask another person to fetch a security guard or centre uh, worker rather than walk off with the child myself. Yes, Myra Hindley was a woman. I believe we have the results back and that's, that's conclusive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, I think women are viewed in society as... It, it's always more shocking. doesn't happen so often. It's always more shocking when a woman uh, is outed as a paedophile or a mother has mistreated her, her children. It always feels, rightly or wrongly, more shocking than when a bloke does it. Kind of bloke does it. Oh, that's disgusting. A woman does it. Oh my God, how could a woman do that? She's got a whoop. She's supposed to be motherly. This is all true. And yep. yet, none of this would enter my head if I saw a child crying in the street. No. Your first instinct was to make them safe, surely? Yeah. 
Not, uh, oh, hang on a minute, people might think I'm... You just get in there, don't you? Lena says, uh, no, Steve says, I would get someone else involved as well as myself. It's unlikely two people with sinister intentions would come across a lost child in a store. Well, hang, hang on, on a second. <laughs> hang on a second, Steve. I don't want to name examples, but uh, uh, Hindley and Brady? Uh, d- d- Jamie Bolger? I think we can name examples. Uh, I would ask them to help me take the child to customer services or if it was on the high street into a shop. Lynn says, you stay with the child and send another adult Mm -hmm. for help. That way no one walks away with a small child who's upset. And Sherry says, that's the problem in this day and age. I'd be afraid to hug somebody else's child as it could be misinterpreted. I say, ask someone to go for help or go yourself and ask someone to stay with the child. You can always tell the child it's going to be okay. This is the problem, right? When we go to Greece... Um, the, the, the attitude towards kids is completely different. When we were pushing the, when the, the eldest was a baby, yeah. we had boys, yeah. boys in their 20s, 20, 21, would come up to us, speak to me in Greek, realise they didn't understand it, they'd speak to my wife. And what they were saying was, yeah. you've got a gorgeous child. What a, what a beautiful child. Isn't that fair? These are boys saying this. The whole culture over there is completely different. Kids, when we were in Italy... And we, my wife and I thought this was a bit weird, uh, and we talked about it afterwards, and we were actually very relaxed with it. We're in Italy. This old couple came up to us. Can we hold your baby? We gave them the baby. And they walk off down the street showing the baby to all of their friends. Hey, look at the baby. Look at the baby. Look at this. Is it because children are more integrated in everyday life out there? It's the same in Spain when we go out there. But then it's not unusual to go out to a restaurant in the evening yeah. and there'll be children sitting there. They're just There's more something. used to children. There's something wonderful in Italy. This old couple walked off with our son, and the guy's showing him to all their mates. Look at this baby, gorgeous. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show that an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The borough council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse in 2012. It claimed it would break even in 15 years' time. Well, Councillor Charles Royden is in charge of environment at Borough Hall. What's gone wrong, Charles? You say 15 years, we say over 20. Well, it's really sad that you said that this morning because what you've done is you, you've looked at the last year when the cable broke down on the embankment and we weren't able to export the electricity at all. And we've also had the driest summer for seven years. Now, what we said is that it won't make that money in a year. It'll make it over a long period of years. And years. Over those over those years, we won't have cables breaking every year and we won't have the driest summer for seven How years. How do you know there won't be more breakdowns? Well, because we've installed new cables, which... I would assume the cables were new when they were first installed, and yet mm. it broke down a few months later. No, well, it wasn't the hydro power plant that broke down. We were exporting electricity into the grid. And as you export it into the grid, you've got cables on the along the embankment, which are old cables, and obviously they have... Uh, you had a month worked. where so there was no could... electricity because of a, a fault. I'm sorry, sir? No, you, had, you had a month where there was no electricity because well, of a fault. No, it was over a month when the cable okay. broke. We weren't able to... Ex- so you had uh, over a month ex- where there was no electricity because uh, of a fault. How do you know that won't happen again? We, we weren't able to export the electricity. Well, we, because we've now put in not just one cable, but a backup cable as well, so that okay. when the electricity is being exported, it'll go straight into the grid. So in the next 15 you- years, there will be no more faults. It won't be closed down for any reason whatsoever. Well, I mean, it may be that we have some extreme circumstance... Because I bet when it was installed... Breaks, what, what, what you've got to look at, you've got to look at an average year when you produce an average amount uh, of electricity... And you can't really expect that you're going to have continually no. extreme weather events or that you're going to have cable failures, especially okay, so when you the, the back up. So what you've done is you, you've taken a, you know, a really poor year when we've had the a, first a, year. A, a breakdown and you've projected that over 20 years. Now, we've uh, taken the this, first this, year. This year we'll have 122,600 kilowatt hours of power. That'll produce 
£8,600. Um, and even on, even on this really, really bad year, we'll still pay it back under 20 years. So when you said that it, it's going to break down, it, it's not going to produce the, 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 the finance in 20 years, that's really sad, because even on this extremely difficult year, we're still going to do that. Um, so so know, when, do you think, if, when do you think, then, that it's going to be paid back? Not the 15 years you said. Well, no, we, we've always said that it would, be, it would be paid back within the period that the government was giving us the money to fund it. And the, the government's funding this for 20 years. And every kilowatt hour oh. of power that we produce, the government gives us money so for. So where do we get the now, figure of 15 well, years, well, then? Just, just, just hold on. It, just, <laughs> one thing I that can was from you, wasn't it? One thing I can forecast with, with absolute accuracy is that over the next 20 years, electricity prices will go up. So from today's level, where we're going to produce it back in 19 years, on an extremely bad year when the cables break and for over a month we won't allow to export electricity, you can expect it to come down and it could even hit 15 years. So that's really, really good, even even on the, the really bad weather that we've had as well. I mean, since we installed this, this hydro So the 15 plant, years, just go back to where, the 15 years, where do we get that figure from then, Charles? Well, when we fitted this hydro That was from you, plant, wasn't it? When, when, well, yeah, most certainly. I, well, I've said on your so show this morning... I just said on your show this morning and this, that this could come down to 15 years. Well, that was the initial figure we were told. It would take 15 years to pay it back. Well, we, and after, the, after, after just over a year, we've only got this year to go on. So that if the first year is a bad year, that doesn't bode particularly well for the next 15 or 20 well, years, I, does I, it? I think it does, because you can't expect to have extreme weather conditions and cable failures every year that we have this running. You know, si- since we installed the hydro power plant, we've had people saying all kinds of things about it. They said it wouldn't work, and on day one, when the television cameras came down and, and you guys from the BBC came down, we switched it on, and those people who said it wouldn't work were nowhere to be seen because it did work. They said it Apart was going from to, that over that month when it, they, when it didn't they, work. They said it, they said it was going to kill fish, and it hasn't. They said it was going to churn up swans and ducks, and it hasn't. Um, I've even had people saying that, you know, we were draining the river, because all we're actually doing is, is using the power of the river as it goes through. This is a fantastic part of a conservation area in Bedford that we've regenerated. We've put in uh, portage for canoes. Experts say it's in the wrong place. Well, it's not in the wrong place. It's actually in a really good place, because people can go and see it, and they can see how we've regenerated a part of Bedford that would have cost hundreds of thousands of pounds to regenerate. We've regenerated and we've produced an income for the next 20 years. And going forwards, we've produced something beautiful on the river that generations of people can see for years and years to come. The problem is, Charles, the only year we've got is this year. And it's been poor. It's been poor because of extreme weather conditions. Uh, and it's been poor because it broke down for over a month. You it can't break you, down. In. You, you, you mustn't keep saying that. Okay, it, it, it didn't. Okay, well, a cable broke. That to me is breaking down. Could it? Could it pass on electricity for over a month? No. Well, it, so it, it stopped it was working. Producing electricity, and it was producing. And what happened? What happened with that electricity? It, it was producing electricity, but it, it what could, happened it with that electricity? So we couldn't get the money from the government what for it. What happened with that electricity that was produced? Well, it couldn't be exported. Nothing. That, that was the problem. Well, it actually, it actually is used. We can use the electricity that's produced, and it can go and power some of the lights along the embankment. But the point is, we couldn't get right. the government's feeding tariff, which, so the, is, which the hydro depends okay. on to so produce... It, it, it broke down then, Charles. It broke, it broke down. It, it, what, it, didn't, it wasn't fit for the purpose for which it was built for over a month. No, it was, but well, it wasn't you didn't get the, to export its electricity you didn't the get the money. to feed in tariff. OK. We're arguing semantics, and uh, you're, 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 you're putting up a brave fight. Uh, but <laughs> well, you can't... Say, no, 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 Charles. You, you can't guarantee well, that something... You can't guarantee that something won't go wrong again. Well, and these extreme, these extreme weather conditions are becoming more and more normal. You can't guarantee they won't happen okay, but again. Okay, what do you do to me for me? Would you stop saying that it's not going to pay for itself over 20 years? Because even in, a, even in a year when the cable wasn't able to take the electricity 
opportunity to export it, even in a year we've had the driest summer for no. seven years, it's still going to produce no. its income. We're saying, it will, we're saying it will take 20 years. You told us initially it's, 15 years. No, it's going to take less than 20 years. You just, said, you, you just said 19 years. No, yes, but, it, but you're, in your broadcast this morning, you're saying it won't pay for itself over 20 years, and it will. Charles, I will see you in 20 years' time, <laughs> and if, if you are right and I am wrong, I will buy you a, a pint of your choosing. OK, will you do something else for me? Oh, go on, what? Will you go down the river and see how wonderful it is, the regeneration that's taken place of a derelict part of the river that's been restored, okay. and not only has it been restored, but it's been restored in a way that's now producing energy and producing money for this council. Charles, I, I will not be doing that. I'm busy then, but thank you very much for your time. You're a good sport. Councillor Charles Royd, in charge of environment at Borough Hall. Uh, a little bit later than usual, 8.31, let's get the travel news. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call in from Andy in Stevenage. He's on the B197, that's Gravely Road, which is at a complete standstill at the moment after an accident. All emergency services are on the scene there. This is really affecting traffic approaching the A1M Junction 9. The A1M itself, southbound, is slower than usual today, between 9 for Letchworth and 7 for Stevenage. And the A5 southbound is heavy between Dunstable and Markgate. On the M40 northbound, things struggling from the Denham roundabout up to the M25. And on public transport, the Piccadilly line has severe delays westbound between Acton Town and Rainers Lane. Also minor delays between Acton Town and Heathrow. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Jane Killick. The 75-year-old woman from Milton Keynes is awaiting sentence for murdering her terminally ill husband in an apparent mercy killing. Luton Crown Court heard that Sheila Samford's husband, John, who had leukaemia, died from strangulation. Figures obtained by BBC Three Counties Radio show an electricity turbine in Bedford won't make a profit for more than two decades. The Borough Council spent half a million pounds installing the Archimedes screw on the River Ouse. A large hole has swallowed up a car parked in front of a house in High Wycombe. The sinkhole is 30 feet deep and 15 feet in diameter. The weather, mostly cloudy and breezy, with some bright or sunny spells this afternoon and a high of 7 Celsius. On to sport and in football, Watford beat Brighton 2-0 at Vicarage Road in the Championship yesterday. It's the Hornets' first league win since Boxing Day and takes them up to 13th in the table. Hornets goalkeeping coach Alec Chamberlain. I think after the difficult week we've had, uh, it was uh, just what the doctor ordered really. Um, to get a clean sheet as well was, was all, all the more pleasing really and um, you know, really... Apart from the disallowed goal, where obviously could have been a few nerves fluttering, um, I think it was a pretty solid performance. In the Premier League, Arsenal went back to the top of the table with a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. Liverpool were held to a one-all draw away to West Bromwich Albion. Wickham Wanderers manager Gareth Ainsworth believes he's still the right man to keep the club in the Football League. The chair boys are now level on points with the side in the final relegation position in League Two after losing at Bury on Saturday. But Ainsworth remains defiant. Well, I wouldn't be stood here talking to you if I didn't feel I had enough to turn it around, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I know that there's enough in that dressing room to turn it around and, and I'm not surprised the fans are getting worried, you know. it's uh, They've got every right to because we haven't been good enough. But I'm, uh, I'm in charge to put that right and I'll be doing that next week against Accrington. In tennis, Great Britain are into the Davis Cup quarter-finals for the first time since 1986. The Wimbledon champion Andy Murray beat Sam Querrey to secure the winning point against the USA in San Diego. 
Britain's reward is another away tie, this time against Italy, who are likely to choose clay for the clash in early April. And in rugby's championship, Bedford lost to Leeds 50-6 at Headingley yesterday. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call. Lots to talk about in the last 30 minutes of the show. Do we save the uh, town or the countryside? Yeah, one has to go. One has to go. I find that incredible. The front page of the Daily Telegraph. Flood chief. Should we protect town or country? Britain must decide whether to protect town or country from flooding because it can't afford to protect both, the chairman of the Environment Agency says today. Wow. Which would you save and why? 08459 455 555. We're also asking if uh, you saw a little kitty in a supermarket or in a high street and they're crying. What would you do? Would you go and give them a hug? Would you take them by the hand? Would you pick them up? Or would you walk on by worried about how you might look? I know Justin's out talking to some people. We'll speak to him before nine o'clock and find out what they say. But you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Now, last week, uh, we heard uh, from regular caller Matt in Luton. Uh, Matt's on the line now. Morning, Matt. Morning, Matt, now last week, Margaret, your wife, uh, who's in a care home, she's got Alzheimer's, she was very, very poorly, wasn't she? Yes. What's, yeah. what's going on now, Matt? She's still hanging in there, Ian. Oh. The doctors came on the Tuesday last week, and he said that it'd be a matter of hours. The ambulance came to give her more oxygen later on in the, in the night. And he said, she just, but she's really hanging in. She's brilliant. The older girls are here now. Did your, your girl from Ireland make it? Claire, she's here. She's in the kitchen now listening to you. Well, that's what she was waiting for. She wanted yes. to see Claire. I was, I was worried when you said she was coming at the weekend that maybe... She came, she came on the Wednesday. Oh, she came on the Wednesday, did she's she? She's not going back now until something happens. Mm. It's a terrible thing to say, but... No, you know, it's... Uh... We... we 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 were all out. We were all day yesterday. And we were talking about. You were just talking about that lady that done, that uh, finished her husband off. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we were all sitting there, and we all look at each other, and we we all said, "Why? Why is she suffering like this? Why?" Is and she conscious at all, Matt? Well, she's in and out, Ian. She's yeah. very, very, very weak. Paul's around there now. He he said with her last night. The girls, Claire's been staying nights. Julie and Helen have been staying nights. And uh, we can't believe she's so strong. She's kept me so willpower, I think, yeah. keeping her going. Yeah. But it's a funny situation because, he, he, like, we went over to Leicester Arms yesterday for a, de- a meal, and you think, I think to myself, I think a lot when I'm with the kids, and I think, should I be doing this? Should I be? But you've got to carry on. You've your life. got to carry on, and you've got you've got your you ki- all your kids around you, and you need to enjoy that special yeah. moment. Yes, with yes. them. And I know what you mean that you, when the person that you love is there and they are suffering, uh, and you do think, well, why should I? I shouldn't be enjoying myself. I shouldn't be. But that's exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. And you know that that's exactly what Margaret would want you to be doing, isn't it? Yeah, but I just thought I'd uh, mention Claire. She's been brick. She's a brick. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Very strong. Well, Matt, there are lots of people uh, listening to this. You've got a lot of people thinking about you and your family at the moment. We had lots of comments and tweets and Facebook and email comments all wishing you and your family the best of luck. 
Yes, thank you, Ian. There's a lot of love out there for you, Matt. And I shall, I shall, when it's all sorted out, I should go back to not liking you. That's again. that's the way I prefer it, please. I don't like all this friendly stuff between me and you. Yeah. Well, well I, I prefer <laughs> you when you're a bit grumpier. Okay, Ian. Matt, listen, you take care of yourself and um, and love uh, you, ma'am. Thank you very much. Take thank care. You. Bye. Cheers, Matt. Bye. There you go. Well, I know lots of people wanted to know what was going on there. I'm looking forward to him being a bit grumpy again, but then that means his wife will have passed on. So we shall send you lots of love, and what will be will be, Matt. This too shall pass. Uh, John Ross says, When I found a girl crying in Asda once, I lifted her up and carried her on my side like I do my own children. I brought her inside to the security guard, where luckily the mother spotted and collected her child. I wasn't thanked at all, and the child was scolded in front of many. Scolded, there's a good word. Regardless if I am thanked or not, my gratitude is a happy and safe child. Unfortunately, it's very easy to lose a child. It's easier to think the worst of someone. And that's what it's like when you've got kids. If you've got kids, two or more, well, one, one really, but two or more, and you're in a supermarket and you're pushing a trolley and you've got your eye on that one. Where's the other? Where's the other one? Where's your brother gone? The panic that sets in as a parent, that feeling that you just, you go numb. That panic. But if some fella came round the corner, a big airy biker or whatever, with my boy under his arm, is this yours? Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's what you'd have to do, isn't it? Could you walk past a kiddie? Because you're worried about how it would look? 08459 555555. Joanna's in Dunstable. Morning, Joanna. Good morning. What have you called in about? I would just like to say you were talking about the spelling of the word pass. Oh, yes. Uh, Kelly Betts was confusing me by... She said... um, uh, What was it you said, Kelly? I'd written on a screen past... uh, Somebody walked past someone, as in P-A-S-S-E-D. You said it's P-A-S-T. Yeah. Joanna has her views. Well, go on, Joanna. Um, Well, there's three three ways of spelling the word pass. To pass an apple, it's P-A-S-S. Um, I have passed someone in the street, it's P-A-S-S-E-D, yeah. and the pass as in the pass years ago. Yeah, but one of those is, but, but one of those is, oh, here we go, there's another one, one of those is past tense. Pass yeah, and, that, pass, was, that pass was years and, ago. Yeah, no, but pass, as in I pass you an apple, and past, as in I passed you in the street, they're the same word. Yeah, but there's there's two ways of spelling it. Pass, no. I have passed you in the street, is definitely double S-E-D. Yeah, but to pass you an apple, that's the it's same... It's P-A-double-S. Yeah, but that's the same word. It's just different tenses. But you said P-A-S-T. What? P-A-S-T means it happened in the past. Yeah. Okay, right? If I passed you in the high street, P-A-double-S-E-D, that also happened earlier if i pass you an apple that's happening now but i could have passed you an apple and i can pass you in the street but i have passed you in the street and that's p-a-double-s-e-d yeah but past no 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 but past and pass is the same word it's just different tenses but i have passed you an apple that's p-a-double-s no i have passed you an apple is p-a-double-s-e-d I pass you an apple is P-A-S-S. Yes. Yeah. I, no, I passed you in the high street is P-A-S-S-E-D. I passed you in the high street is P-A-S-S. Mm, not sure. No, 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 it's fact. It's fact. That's English. Passed, 
P-A-S-S-E-D, is the past, P-A-S-T, tense of pass, P-A-S-S. OK. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I think we got somewhere there. So basically, I was right. No, was not like, at yes, all. You were completely You've wrong. You just said it. Who said it? You, just then. No. He, I walked past the child in the street, P-A-S-E-D. P-A-S-S-E-D. You walked past? Yeah. But you passed a child? Yeah. You went... You you are going past... How do you spell it if you're spelling it like pedantic? <laughs> N-O-B. Yes, Catherine. Let's talk about holes. <laughs> if, but we haven't got a hole expert or anyone we can talk oh, about yes, holes, we have we? Have. Who? Fader One. Tony Fisher. Hello. Hello. It's it's our whole correspondent, Tony Fisher. He was in the studio with me, what, an hour and 30 minutes ago? Where are you now, Tony? What's going on? I am now uh, in in a place called Walter's Ash, a very pretty place. It was a a base of an RAF uh, camp, so it's a bit surreal. It's like being in a 1940s war movie, all these people dressed up in RAF uniforms. It's not far from High Wycombe. It's just sort of north-east of High Wycombe, I would say. And uh, I'm in a lady's house called uh, Liz Conrad. Now, she has a huge, and I say huge, hole in her driveway. It's about 30 feet deep, 15 feet wide. At the bottom of this hole, Ian, is her daughter's car. Ouch. Yes. Now, um, this was all in the morning. Her daughter would normally have been going to work. Uh, She looked out of the window, couldn't see her car, then went round to another window. She came out to the kitchen, where I'm looking out from now. And, um, yes, I think, uh, basically, uh, screamed her head off, I think, uh, according to her mum. Her mum's nodding. And uh, the car has basically gone through a hole. It's called a sinkhole. It's basically some kind of natural erosion. And it, literally, there is nothing in. There's, you can see the roots from the wow. Leilandii. Um, I can't see the car. The car is too far down wow, in the really? ground. I can't get close enough to the hole, for safety reasons, to see the top of the car. It is down there somewhere. Tony, it looks like a cave. Did they hear it happen? Did they not no, hear it? They, they didn't hear it happen. They didn't hear it happen. Literally, the daughter was getting ready to go out in a Volkswagen Lupo uh, and was couldn't see the car, came round to the kitchen window where I'm... This is a bungalow, so I can't go up any higher to look down. Um car disappeared down a hole. Now, they used to do some mining around this area, apparently, Uh chalk mining. So that may be partly to do with it, but obviously uh, a a massive shock. Um, Don't know what's going to happen, whether they should claim on the car insurance or the house insurance, who knows? But, um, I I mean, you notice it because there's a police cordon, a police tape outside the driveway, Um, and then, um, luckily, I saw Liz in the window, so I came through thought it was safe, but you cannot go too close to this hole. Tony, can I have a quick... Is it Liz? Have a quick word with Liz. Liz Conran is mum. Here she is. Hello, Liz. Hello. You must have got the... This is Ian Lee. You're on Three Counties Radio. You must have got the shock of your life. Uh, We did. It was more my daughter because we were looking after my daughter when she was screaming. So we were focusing on her because she was in absolute hysterics, as you can imagine. I bet. Um, And it didn't really dawn on us what might have happened until after, uh, you know, an hour or so and all the emergency services had turned up to try and see who could help us. Liz, are you you worried about the state of your house? Because if that happened on the driveway... Yeah, we're very worried. I mean, it, um, 
Fortunately, it seems fairly localised, right. um, you know, at the moment, but we're expecting uh, the uh, house insurance people oh dear. to instruct um, uh, some engineers and structural people to come and have a look at it today, and then we'll know more. But they, um, the police wouldn't let us stay here last night, so we've got lovely neighbours, Suzanne and Mark, next door, and uh, they put us up for the night and, uh, and fed us and everything. And, and any idea how you're going to get the car out? Uh, we're not sure whether they will try and get the car out because obviously heavy machinery on the drive at the moment is really not a good idea. Um, so we've um, we've been told to kind of uh, not know what to expect, really. They, uh, are you suggesting they're going to bury the car in your driveway? Uh, it's entirely possible. I mean, wow. it has buried itself, and that that's the scary thing. Yeah. Um, if you see a photo of it, you'll see it's actually I've filled with it. earth and soil. So if my daughter had been in it, yeah. you know, she oh, would gosh. have been buried alive. You don't even... Just, want to no. think about that, do so, you? you? know, although it's a shock and, you know, it's a huge crater in our drive, we're counting ourselves very lucky this morning. Liz, uh, well, listen, luckily no one is, uh, was injured. That's, exactly. that's the blessing. Exactly. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And, and if it's all right, we'll keep in touch and find out how this progresses. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you no so much. There we go. Oh, dearie me. They're going to fill that car in. Call in for the last 15 minutes of the show. What have you buried in your front or back garden? 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Gravely, the B197, that's Gravely Road, is partially blocked by an accident. Uh, that's really affecting traffic approaching the A1M Junction 8. Thanks, Andy, for phoning in with that. On the speed sensors, the A41 southbound at Kings Langley is queuing as you approach the M25. And on the M25, M25 itself, sorry, anti-clockwise is queuing between Junction 16 for the M40 and 18 for Chorley Wood. On public transport, the Piccadilly line has minor delays now, westbound between Acton Town and Rainers Lane. I'm Alice Gossett, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. If you want to see the pictures of uh, the car in the hole, follow at BBC Three CR or indeed at Ian Lee on Twitter. We'll also put them up on the Facebook page. 8.48. Uh, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is to be sentenced for killing her terminally ill husband. Bedford Borough Council insists their water turbine on the River Ouse is providing value for money. Let's get the latest weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Staying dry today, some fine weather at times, some spells of brightness and sunshine, variable amounts of cloud. Top temperatures today up to 7 or 8 degrees, 46 in Fahrenheit with a fairly fresh southerly to southeasterly wind. A few outbreaks of light rain through this evening's rush hour, most of it light, perhaps the odd heavy burst at times, clearing off to the east through the course of the night and then gradually it's going to turn colder, so a chilly start to the day tomorrow. Tomorrow. Lows of two or three degrees in the rural spots. Dry through the day tomorrow. Uh, very blustery through the afternoon. Wet and very windy on Tuesday night into Wednesday. That's the forecast. Thank you very much. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. My geography teacher at school resurrected a jazz standard song, which was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. It made me dedicate myself to be trying to be better. I always felt that I wasn't quite good enough. Expert advice. Absolutely, you've got it. You've nailed it. I am so happy. Thank you. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
What is it? I'm speechless after today's show. We've been all over the shop. Holes in people's drives. Arguing about past, past and pass. Past is just the past tense of pass. There we go. All three in one sentence. Um, and also, uh, what would you do if you see a little kiddie in the supermarket or in the, the, uh, the high street and they're crying? Three or four-year-old little boy or girl. What do you do? I don't think I would hesitate. It would cross my mind that me approaching them might look a little bit odd. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care enough for that to be a problem. I would crouch down and talk to them. And if it was appropriate to put my arm around them, I'd do that. If I needed to take their hand, I would. We'll speak to Justin Dealey in a little bit. He's been out and about getting people's opinions on this. Um, but before that, we've been sp- speaking this morning about the town versus the countryside. We may only be able to save one. This is incredible front page of the Daily Telegraph. Food ch- uh, flood chief, should we protect town or country? There's only enough money to save one. Jane and Aylesbury, which one are we going to save? Well, let's put it this way. If the government put their heads on right and stopped building on the floodplains, kicked out all the people we shouldn't have here, we wouldn't have to build houses. Well, OK, a couple of things. The, the villages that have, uh, have been affected by the floods now yeah. have been around for hundreds of years. Yes. So what do we do with them? Good question. Exactly. Uh, and also, I don't quite understand what the immigrants have got to do with it. Well, because it... <laughs> we, we have to build houses whether we have immigrants no, or not. No, I know, I know. But if you think how many thousands of immigrants we've got here that aren't supposed to be here... How many thousands have we got that aren't supposed to be here? They're loads. How many? I've got, I, I don't know, about, about 20,000 or right. more. And where did you get that figure from? Out of my head. Exactly, Jane. <laughs> it's not based on anything apart from conjecture. Yeah, Guys, you said head. I was going to say something else. <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it, there's, there, there's twenty thousand immigrants here that shouldn't be here, or more, or more that shouldn't be here. What do you mean, or less? Indeed. What do you mean by shouldn't be here? Well, they're, immig- um, they're here illegally. Well, if they're here illegally, we don't know how many there are. And we're not housing the illegal ones, are we? Yes, because that's why they're building our subplane. No, it's not. It's because poor families can't afford houses. They're not. We need to build more houses. Whether we have illegal immigrants here or not, we need to build more houses. Yeah, but if you kick out the ones that aren't supposed to be here, we wouldn't have to build more houses. I think they're trying to kick out the ones that are supposed to be here, but because yeah, they're here... they're not doing it fast enough, Ian. Jane, thank you very much indeed. I mean, when you're arguing with... with, with um, logic like that. You, you can't argue, can you? Thanks, Catherine. She had a fair point. Yeah, you having fun through there? Nice one. Uh, now, Justin Daly, voice... I, very rarely I go to Justin as the voice of reason, but this morning, <laughs> Justin, I am. You're right, morning, fella. boss. Yeah, I'll find yourself. What's, yeah, what's the weather like out there? Is it still cold? It's uh, freezing, yeah, but oh. to be fair, it's been quite a mild winter. We haven't had any snow yet, have we? So it can't be too bad. I've got to go to the post office after this and um, send some receipts to my accountant. I was wondering, would you do it for me? Well, do you know what? I've actually got to send off a mortgage deed. I was hoping you might go on my behalf. Uh, Kelly? <laughs> Kelly? Yeah. Justin and I need to go to the post office. Would you go for us? Uh, maybe. Okay, that's 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 yeah, a start. Results. Uh, Justin. Uh, blimey. Mm, it's loud. Yeah, tell me about it. Mm. Uh, we've been asking you asking you this morning to go out and uh, find out what people would do. They see a little kiddie in the street or in a supermarket or in a shopping centre, crying. What do they do? Do they go and give it a hug or do they walk on by? 
It's very harsh, Ian, but I think myself, I think I'll probably walk on by. I certainly would, would never that touch that child. No, I, 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 just, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. But the thing is, though, just I would love it. You, you're one of the good guys, all right? Mm. You picked up my little boy and brought him to me, or you picked up my little nephew, and t- I, I would love you for it. Yeah, but I'm one of the good guys because you know me. You yeah. know, if if people are seeing me putting their putting my arm around their child, again, people might think bad things of you. But I have been out this morning putting this scenario to people. Uh, some very interesting views, Ian. Here's what people had to say. I was a security guard. Go to the security. Then most of the stores have got security guards, so I would go to a security guard and just explain that there's a child on their own and see if they could deal with it because you've got to be so careful today. Because the normal thing for, for, for a decent person to do would be put to, yeah, exactly, put your arm around the child, but you wouldn't do that now? Not now, because it's so difficult. You just don't know. Somebody could be watching and they'll say, oh, what are you doing with that child? That's my, that's my child. You shouldn't be touching my child. You've got to be so careful. And I See, I've got that. the same attitude, but, but how sad is yeah. this conversation? It's terrible. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be... You should be able to go approach a child and say, are you all right? Where's your mummy? Where's your daddy? But you can't today. Things have changed so much. You have to be so careful. So, so careful. And it is so sad. Well, I'd go and get either a store manager or a member of staff and see if they can sort the problem out. That's what I basically do. But would you touch that child? No, I wouldn't actually touch the child. No, I wouldn't do that. You could be helping the child and then the parent would show up and accuse you trying to take it away or something, you know? You have to be very careful nowadays. Peter, what would you do in that situation? Be honest. Get security. We'll try and find a member of staff. When that child is crying, but you would never try and console that child, you never even put your arm around that child, never touch them full you stop? touch them, no. You might talk to them, try and calm them down, but you wouldn't touch them. Why wouldn't you touch that child? Because all you'd be doing is helping that child. You'd be too scared of being accused of something, wouldn't you? And that's the way the world's going, unfortunately. Nicky, you're here with your young child today. I'm going to put a slightly different scenario to you, OK? So you're in a supermarket, and for whatever reason, your child has lost you and she's in the supermarket on her own and she's crying. How would you feel about somebody coming up to your child, putting their arm round them and consoling them? It will make me feel two ways, actually. It will make me feel like she's not alone, but at the same time, why are they comforting? Why are they not holding her and say, OK, let's take you somewhere safe? Like to the security guard or something, but... It depends. Mm. It depends on the situation, really, because it can be a bit tricky these days, and sometimes you can't say, OK, they're just consoling her. There's a little doubt at the back of your mind. Anybody touching your child, even if they're just making sure they're OK, anybody who's oh, yeah. got the hand on your child, there's something just not quite right about that for you. No, it isn't, no, because at the end of the day, even if it was someone else's child, I'll hold them and try to console them in a sense where I stand in front of them or kneel in front of them, not hug them, because I'm not their parents. So I shouldn't make them feel that secure with me because I'm still a stranger. So I have to respect that boundary issue. There are ba- oh, it's so noisy, Justin, where you are. Mm. Uh, there are boundary issues, but I do think. Listen, there's a kitty upset. I, as a dad, as a human being, yeah, I would want to comfort that child, and I'd worry about the consequences, the accusations levelled at me later on. I know what you're saying. You know, those people there, every single person saying the same thing. I thought people would say that. People, Ian, they do want to help, but unfortunately, right now we're living in a very different world, and people just don't want to be in a situation where they could be accused when they've done nothing wrong, yep. all they're doing is trying to help that child. Yep, the, the, yeah. There was one gentleman in that package that I would rather not hold my child. But anyway, that's by <laughs> the by. Justin, uh, thank you very much indeed. Got some uh, texts. Becky in Aylesbury says, don't move that child!
Tell him to stand still, that you will stand with him till his mummy finds him. Believe me, it will happen in no time. The worst thing you can do is move that child. Don't move that child! Um, oh, there's a text here without a name. I'm, I'm not going to read text without names. Come on, guys. How long does it take you to type your name in? You've typed a sentence. Type your name in, for goodness sakes. Catherine, you're, you're giving me that look as though you want to say something profound. Well, I thought it was an interesting text anyway. Can you not make an exception? It's got, no, it's not got a name on it. Go on. No! Go on. Let me read it. Huh? No, it's not. It's not good enough. We haven't to... mentioned Stevenage today. It's not okay. Well, it's about Stevenage, but I'm not. It's not good enough to read without. I was a name. in Stevenage Market, and I found. I took him to the police station, and I would do it again. Okay. Thanks very much indeed for absolutely nothing. <laughs> Well, you're getting very... Your fingers are getting really free and easy recently. What's going on there? Uh, rheumatism. <laughs> Little stretch you worked out, is it? To help. Uh, right, that's it. That's your like. Take 58. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Gravely Road is partially blocked by an accident that's been affecting traffic approaching the A1M Junction 8. Thanks to Andy for phoning in with that. The M25 anti-clockwise queuing between Junction 16 for the M40 and 18 for Chorleywood. On the M1 London bound, there are queues between Junction 6 for Bricketwood and 5 for Watford. And on public transport, we've got no reported problems. It's all looking good. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. If you want to see the pictures of the uh, sinkhole in Liz's front yard, oh my goodness, it's incredible. At BBC3CR or at Ian Lee, we've just retweeted it or we've just treated, tweeted the pictures. It's incredible. Tomorrow we might do what have you buried in your front or your back garden? I bet there's some cracking stuff out there. That's it from today. Go to iTunes, download the podcast. Or you can go to the BBC Three Counties website and do it there. JBS is up next until six o'clock tomorrow from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday. It's nine o'clock. And on today's big phone-in, would you welcome 70-mile-per-hour speed cameras on the motorway? Speed cameras.